this is the Rock Out of Podcasting. Charles McFall here, and I got a special one-of-a-kind podcast coming out right now, hitting you right in your ear holes. I, the Rock Out of Podcasting, am interviewing a freaking psychic. Yeah, it's that crazy. All right, say hi, everybody out there. Professor, now just correct me if I'm getting the name wrong. Uh, Professor Rock Myaz? Yes, Charles, that is correct. All right, awesome. And so, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do for mind reading? Like, what, you're a psychic, right? Like, so, so, how do you wanna do this? Well, I was thinking I could just look into your mind, tell you what you're thinking. All right, all right, that should be cool. All right, well, you know, my network has some shows on it, so how about you look into my mind, you think, you, you see what show I'm thinking of, and then you read it out to us, okay? Can you do that? Of course, Charles, that is but child's play. All right. Let me look into your mind. Looking, looking, I see jealousy in your mind. And I also see a group of drunken assholes circle-jerking each other around a table. Oh, you're going to have to be a little bit more specific on that, Professor. All right, they're playing some sort of dice game. Ah, you got me, Botch Podcast. All right, good one. All right, the next one I see. Uh, this show has over 200 iTunes five-star reviews. And it has been nominated for multiple awards. And it is... It's on multiple new and featured lists. Hundreds of thousands of downloads. It's an amazing show. I'm seeing it in your mind now. Breaking the panel. No, no, no. I said we're done with thinking about Bosch Podcast. Uh, next one, next one. But that is the next one. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just a fantasy. I'm seeing, I'm seeing disappointment. Only 12 five-star reviews and about 57 downloads. All coming from Dennis and Kurt trying to one-up each other through speak pipes. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking of breaking the panel. Whatever, whatever. You're, you're a little off on that one, okay? You're a little off on that one. Try and get back on track, all right? Get back on track. All right. I see a man. He's in a oh, dark basement, and he's got a wall filled with pictures. And he's, he's cutting, he's cutting the heads of models out of magazines. And he's, oh my God, he's, he's pasting them to... To furry creatures. For a moment there, it looks like his eyes are completely black, like a demon. Oh, yeah, that's that's Pokemon Joe. Yeah, you, you're right on track again. All right, good, good on you, good on you. That's Pokemon Go Podcast. Yeah, good. That's, that's pretty much what we discuss each week, so... Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Come on. Another one. I hear a, a low humming and reverberating noise, and then I also see a man also sitting in the dark basement. But this time, he is... He's polishing a, a He-Man figurine. No, wait! Oh my god! He's tattooed his dick to look like a He-Man figurine. He's just masturbating profusely while screaming, I have the power! Uh, yeah, that's toy power. You got me. <laughs> All right. Man, you're amazing, Professor. Come on. Come on, another one, another one. I see I see the Aflac duck on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I, the episode is, on a, is, is part of the WWE Championship. And Tristan from Botched Podcast is a referee. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. I was, I was thinking geek versus... Yeah, so you're kind of, you know, sort of... You're muddy in the waters there, Professor. But our, it's actually Casey, not Tristan, but it, they pretty much look the same. But I... I yeah, you know, you're, not, you're not too far off. Okay, okay. All right. Last last show. Come on. Come on. I see a man. He's crying, it seems. And he's signing... My God, it has to be hundreds of checks. All the names seem to be female. I also see a phone laying next to him with a thousand missed calls. From, from you, Charles. He keeps whispering, Why did I join that network? Why did I join that network? Why didn't I use a con? He seems to be in utter despair. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Kurt from FTH Beyond. Yep, that's 
It's pretty much how I picture him. Wait, I'm getting something else. I'm, I'm seeing something deep inside your mind. Oh my god! That is disgusting! I never! This is completely unprofessional! What? Where do you go, Professor Rock My Ass? It's like you've never seen a guy all oiled up naked wanting you to get between his knees and worship him like a normal rock deity. This guy's obviously a clown and a phony. He's a big fat phony. If you want to see the rest of my review and interview with Professor Rock My Ass, then head on over to www.giantsizeteamup.com. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Hello and welcome to Breaking the Panel. I am your captain this week, Soapbox Klotz, and there is no McFall in the building. So I am joined tonight, as usual, by my brother in podcasting and streaming, none other than Mr. Philip Keating. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me again. Yes. And we have a special guest tonight, returning for the umpteenth time from Geek Versus, none other than Mr. Tony P. Henderson. And still... Champion of the world! No, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, he's like the fifth host of this show, but we can't make him official. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, I'm like the, the other Beatle. Yeah, uh, David, uh, <laughs> Brian David Marshall. Exactly. Yeah. Often overlooked, often yeah. forgotten about. <laughs> pops, up in, <laughs> pops up in some of the uh, documentaries. He's, uh, you're, you're our Billy Mitchell. Thank you. Uh, oh, the wait. The gamer? The, why 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 do I don't has he been cheating on his uh game scores? No, no. He's twitching though. It's it's fun to watch him on Twitch, but I don't know why I pulled that name out of my ass. Is he, who's who's the ShamWow guy? Uh that's well ShamWow is different from uh No, you know, Billy um Billy Billy Mays. I mixed up Mays and Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. Billy yeah, Mays is yeah. dead. They all got beards. Yeah. Yep. You're not wrong. Anyway, guys, thank you. And so do you. So thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. And uh, I apologize in advance. (laughs) Well, we we got a whole bunch of stuff on the docket this week. Uh, You know, shocking no one, our first uh, story here. Netflix has canceled The Punisher and Jessica Jones. (sighs) What? Russo! Russo! That's half of Punisher season two, and I loved every second of it. I still got to watch it, man. But yeah, no. uh, Yeah, they canceled both these shows on Monday, and nobody is surprised at all. And um, Netflix said, We are grateful to Marvel for five years of our fruitful partnership and thank the passionate fans who have followed these series from the beginning. You know what I am surprised about in all sincerity is that they announced it before the new jessica jones came out yeah yeah that's what I, that's what i said last week i said we all know this is coming I, but i didn't listen i'm sorry oh no nobody does but um to me at least um but that's what i exactly was a little bit shocking is like i said last week this is gonna get canceled both of them you know a week after jessica jones comes out so it doesn't like train wreck the last season of jessica jones but fuck it we'll do it live we'll get rid of it who cares <laughs> Honestly, honestly, at this point, I'm not sure that it matters. Everybody knows it's happening. 
you know? I think they probably yeah. anticipated that the, the Punisher numbers were going to be the best they were going to get anyways. And Jessica Jones is just going to be what it is. Uh, so, Tony, you watched The Punisher. Uh, I know Philip and I have not. Did you? Did The Punisher season finish on a good point for, like, ending the series for him? Um, uh, no, no. And I, I mean, I'm going to spoil it because it's not a spoiler. But I just want to let people know I'm going to spoil it. You Frank have your castle dies. <laughs> How'd you get? You have your story, your main storyline. Um, I think it's a good story. The story has its beginning, middle, end, and the little tag at the end is, which again, technically a spoiler. It's spoiling nothing. It basically alludes that Punisher is still out there doing his Punisher thing. Mm-hmm. That's the gist of it. Like you know, whatever happened with the previous story is done. And he's still the Punisher, and he's still punishing folks. Every day I'm punishing, punishing, pump pu- punishing. Yeah, I don't care. I kind of I I dug that. That was pretty good. I wish they would just... I'm glad that they put a bullet in the Punisher's series since he's been doing that to innocent bystanders for years <laughs> upon years now. But they're not innocent bystanders. They're bad people. Oh, okay, yeah. So is the person that cuts me off when I'm driving on Route 81. It's all subjective. (laughs) Murder is subjective. No, no, no. Their badness is subjective. (laughs) Um, And in all seriousness, that's one of the themes of the season is, you know, is he just, and I mean, it's kind of cliche, but is he just as bad as everyone else? Why does he do what he does? Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the show can definitely come back. Hulu or whatever can pick it up and continue the adventures of Punisher. Uh, the Netflix series leaves it wide open for anything really to happen. I think of all of the shows from the Netflix grouping, uh, Punisher is probably the one that would most likely work out that way. I just don't, I don't see any of the Defenders tie-ins coming back. I just, it, it just seems because I know like uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, with Daredevil, Deborah Ann Wall was basically like, yeah, I'm done. Like, I don't care. I really don't care what anybody does with it. Like I'm, I'm done. You know, I, I played my part. I'm moving on and she's doing other things. So like, I, I don't know that you can really pull like Daredevil back together without Karen, you know, mm. and re- recasting these roles would be a nightmare. No. Yeah. You know, I, it's like, I think we're done. And the, the thing about daredevil season three, without giving too much away is I do actually think that it stopped at a great point for that series. You know, it was a pretty much perfect cutoff point. Uh, it, it was very much like, Hey, this is all the stuff that could also need to get done, but we wrapped everything up in a relatively good package here. So um, at least daredevil, the, the, you know, the originator show ended on solid note. Does anybody remember if any of these Netflix shows were canceled while these other last two series were in development? Yeah. So, so because they're not development, they were in production. They were already in production. Okay. They had had already started production on these two shows, these two last shows. So it wasn't enough time to like have script rewrites and story rewrites to like kind of give these last two their, their send off. I, I would assume that it was very much a sunk cost situation. Like they yeah. knew that they were already in production. There was really no changing it. Well, the other part is, uh, you know, we talked about this in the past as well. There has been reports that there were complications with like the, the Luke Cage cancellation was like, well, 
we had it. We literally were sitting down. We had the season blocked out and we wanted to make some creative changes and Marvel told us to stuff it. And so, and I believe that's part of the ultimate breakdown here was that one, they wanted to trim episode count. And yep. I'd have to go find sources for that. Again, I don't have the receipts for that, but I know we talked about it at the time and people were citing that they wanted to cut episode count, which we have been saying for like three years on this show that that is, would be the ideal for them is to cut episode and, and trim up those stories and make them more like, you know, mini series and less like greedy 12, 13 episode series. Yeah, but yeah. I was, I was surprised uh, Punisher was 13. I, it kind of, I was watching it. It, hit, it was like hitting a good pace. And I was like, all right, cool we're about to we're about to hit the end game i was like oh nope just kidding i'm in that three episode fluff before mm-hmm. the end game um and again i thoroughly enjoyed it but there was a um uh, uh blatant stop i feel like in the flow mm-hmm. you know um so yeah i i agree and some other friends and i were talking offline like 10 episodes that that'd be good that'd be nice and solid you know? Ten, 10 would be nice and tight yeah Absolutely. So, uh, in a similar vein, uh, hold on. Uh, I gotta, I gotta stretch for this one. Cause I'm going to go ham. Marvel posted a letter to Marvel television fans from Jeff Loeb on the Marvel website. And he says, I'm going to read this whole, I only hear what I want to. Oh no, my bad. That's Lisa. It had never been done before. Four separate television series, each with a different, each with different super talented showrunners, writers, directors, cast, and crew, coming out months apart, and then they would meet in a single event series, all set in the heart of New York City. We called them the Defenders. Um, paraphrase, like he, he talks a little bit more, and he's like. So uh, thank you. On behalf of everyone at Marvel Television, we couldn't be more proud or more grateful for to our audience, our network partner may have decided they no longer want to continue telling the tales of these great characters, but you know Marvel better than that. What the fuck? That ain't true, is it? No, it's not true. (laughs) No, that is is some top-shelf shady bullshit. To to sling mud at Netflix and and make it seem like this was Netflix' decision. Now, Netflix ultimately might have had their accountants... And their lawyers look at everything that was going on and be like, we just can't do this. But it's because Disney was not willing to work with them. And we know that. Like, the, the, and the big, the big crutch point like we were just talking about was Netflix wanted to control costs on these shows. They wanted to trim the episode count you know, and, and bring the overall cost down. And part of the payment structure on the royalties was episodic or episode based, you know? So it was, you know, tied to the number of episodes. So Disney is saying, Hey, well, no, we don't want you to lop off three to five episodes, whatever it might be, because then you're not paying us X amount. And I'm sure that when they were trying to negotiate terms as to some kind of revision of that agreement, they were not giving agreeable terms. I guarantee it because they ultimately didn't want these shows to continue. They're, they're ready to move on with their service. They're ready to change their direction. And they had no interest in these essentially, you know, are rated R part of the MCU continuing. The, the part I don't understand is, you know, nobody likes to be lied to and BS, but especially nowadays, people are so savvy to all the news and happenings because of, just mm-hmm. technology and podcasts and show everyone knows what's going on. Like yeah. you can't, you can't just slide it in. So why not just 
you know, like, Hey, it's business. It didn't work out. Uh, it's all good. They're cool. I'm cool. We're done. Like, you know, leave it at that. I don't, I don't understand what, uh, he, who he's trying to get over on, you know, like who's buying this? Well, investors. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's ultimately the big issue here, right? Disney's the parent company now and Disney will not accept responsibility. Just doesn't like the, the whole James Gunn thing. They, they didn't take ownership. They put it all on him and it was bullshit because they, they hired that guy with all those tweets. Those tweets existed before they hired him. They let him make two films. And then somebody points out that he has this, you know, all these tweets that are quote unquote offensive. And they're like, Oh no. It's like, no, you, you're Disney. I know you vetted him. I know you had somebody comb his social media and you're, and we, we are almost positive that he deleted all of his back tweets because he was getting vetted. Like the timetable on it was like, it was several years after he had made the tweets, but it was right around the time he would have been signing contracts to write the movie, the first movie, first guardians movie. So you didn't take ownership of that. You don't take ownership of any of your other bullshit that you do that pisses people off. I'm personally getting pretty frustrated with Disney. Like, how about you stop passing the buck all the time? Maybe we're having another Activision Blizzard situation. Oh, I've, I actually legitimately very much think so. I, I think that the the MCU's continued success is largely because of Kevin Feige and not because of Disney. Yeah. And I think everything outside of that is it has been falling apart. Let's be real. Star Wars is falling Star Wars, apart. yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I loved The Last Jedi, but the, the, it's a mess. Like, everything is a mess. You know what I mean? It's not a tightly run ship right now. And I doubt it's Kathleen Kennedy alone that is the source of that, because she's been solid in the past. I think it's – I think there's too much corporate interest and too much investor – focused uh behavior and it's hurting you know the offerings it's hurting the the actual art that this company is making and i mean and that that's every movie studio and creative thing but i think to your point it's there's a lot of hands in that big money disney pot Mm -hmm. um and at some point it's gonna suffer like it 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 reaches critical mass you know um Mm -hmm. like right now i guess their whole year is or their whole next few years is live action remakes, you know, and I, I know some people that are excited for some of them, but I just don't see it being that successful Disney level successful. You know, it's going to make money, but you know, I don't see it being your star Wars and Marvel level of successes. Sure. Um, So we'll we'll see, but I'm with you. It sounds like it's kind of reaching critical mass. So the, I've heard a couple of theories about it, but these live action remakes are really questionable. Like, Hell, even Kingdom Hearts is so so. If we're getting real, if we're talking about no, no, it, no, no, we're not. We're not. Are we getting real? Are we getting real? No. Okay. No, okay. we are not. I'm sorry. I don't have another 45 fucking minutes to hear about Paul's thoughts on fucking Kingdom Hearts. Uh, no, I'm good. You can go back a couple episodes and listen to that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, these live action remakes, I just don't. Is it because they're trying to secure the copyright? I've heard that was a theory that was kind of thrown around that they are trying to lock down the copyright for another several decades. I don't know, but that doesn't make sense because I think it's all their properties. Well, some of it, like like Beauty and the Beast is, that's a fair use thing, isn't it? I don't think that's... Jungle Book is not a Disney property. Right, Jungle Book. and Yeah, so some of these are like fair use properties that they're they're probably extending their, you know they're basically copyright blanket on it because it's, mm. it's technically fair use, but like 
it's not, you know, because they, if you infringe on any of their style or whatever at all, they can get you kind of thing, I would think. Um, Because this Aladdin thing is like ridiculous. Like this movie looks, (laughs) and it's not just the Will Smith thing, though. It's a great meme. (laughs) And I actually, somebody on my friends list, uh, they're like, why is everybody upset about this Will Smith thing? And I'm like, it's quite simply because this is an uninspired remake of a film that is largely considered to be a perfect classic. Like it is a perfect animated film and it has a performance from, you know, a comedian that is no longer with us. That is one of the best comedic performances in a, in a children's product ever. And it feels shitty to just smear that legacy just to make a few bucks. Oh, they're going to make more than just a few bucks, man. I mean, that's why these things keep getting produced. Each one of them keeps bringing in over a billion dollars worth of profit. And the thing is, too, like, they can double dip them. So, oh, we got, we got Aladdin, live-action Aladdin coming out in two months. I don't know why it's a old 40s newscaster, but, um, you know, we have, uh, we have the yeah, new Aladdin. Now they can resell and repackage and redistribute the old Aladdin and to get ready for the new Aladdin, which is the same exact story with different faces, but now you got to get ready for some reason. And then when it, the new Aladdin comes out on DVD, they can do a bundle set of the original with this new... Yeah, no, it's all about mid-maxing. You know, they're just mid-maxing. They're, they're, they're profitable. I guess, yeah. I, I don't know, man. It's, I, think they're, I think they're spending a lot of consumer faith, and I think that catches up to you. I mean, this is something we were kind of talking about in regards to the Blizzard Act- or Activision Blizzard thing. They, Activision Blizzard had built up customer loyalty and customer faith for over a decade. Like people were like, I love Blizzard. I will play anything Blizzard puts out. This is, this is a company I believe in. These are creators that I believe in. Like the creative side is fantastic. They have great customer support. This is a great company. This is a company you can put your faith in. You can slap your 60 bones down on the, on the table at like GameStop or wherever and walk home and know that you have a, a great game every single I, time. I would argue that's half the success of Overwatch. I remember like, yo, new Blizzard. Oh man, it's going to be dope. It's like this, but from Blizzard. Well, the, it was, you know, to your point, there's a lot of trust. The other part was that IP design. Those videos that they put together were incredible. Oh like, yeah, that didn't hurt. <laughs> that the, the BlizzCon reveal, like the the full uh, fully animated cinematics, oh boy! Yeah, and all the ones they've done since, like every single one of the shorts that they've put out, is like by the end of it, I'm like, why am I? Why is there a tear going down my? Ch- what the hell? Why is every single one of these punchy like that? Like they're all great. It, they have an incredible IP with Overwatch, as they do with World of Warcraft, as they do, you know, all of their offerings have have potential but the actual games themselves are falling apart. As a matter of fact, I was just discussing uh, Overwatch with a uh, friend of the show, Dr. Um, Ucell, Simkin PhD on Twitch. Uh, he's often in my chat uh, when I'm streaming. We were talking about the Overwatch League. The Overwatch League is losing viewership right now because the current competitive meta is three tanks, three sports. And it's boring. Oh. It's the worst. Oh. And it's because balance-wise, they have to they have to buff tanks and supports so that they're, they, they're fun to play and they feel powerful. So people won't play them. Otherwise, you know, nobody wants to be the healer and nobody wants to be the tank if they don't feel like they're strong. And since they've done that, 
the best, you know, the best meta is to have three beefy dudes and three support healers and just hold points and, you know, capture everything that way. And it becomes this slog of these two battleships just bouncing off each other. And eventually somebody gets an incremental advantage that wins. It's boring. It's unexciting. There's no dynamic back and forth in the, you know, and so the esports scene is crumbling literally people are just dropping like watchers are dropping like flies and And that's a shame because they just launched the atlanta team i live in georgia and so it was a big deal in the nerd community that the uh atlanta team just started Mm -hmm. so i'm casually keeping an ear out i was like oh that's cool but now i'm hearing like from you and you know obviously that your echo in the community like oh it's been boring you know so that that hurts Hurts my heart. Well, and, and Winnipeg will be happy when you guys sell the team up to them, like you did <laughs> the Thrashers. So that was a pretty good Atlanta reference, there, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. And the the other thing about that is uh, because that meta is dominating competitive play, and and the top ranks of ranked, they have to make balance changes to try to break that up. That completely warps casual play for everybody else so one of the recent tweaks they did is they buffed Reaper and they made him a lot more punchy. And it has no effect on competitive play because everybody just focuses him. They see the Reaper, they focus him down, he's dead. But in the lower ranks, he's a monster. He just murders everyone because he does so much damage. He's, he's just so, you know what I mean, so dynamic in that regard that he, he negatively impacts the casual player's experience and, and low, you know, competitive ranked. And it's like, this is a recurring issue with Blizzard right now. And, and you know, th- to get back to the main point here, you have like these companies are riding their IPs until the wheels fall off and the wheels are falling off. Now blizzard, their mechanics aren't good anymore. Like their mechanics are falling apart. The world of Warcraft expansions a mess, you know, overwatch is it's loot box. Hey, it's another event. Come get some skins, but it's not super fun to play if I'm honest. And I like the IP. I love the IP. The IP what happened though? Because overwatch again, I'm casual and it used to be competitive and from what i understand balance and they would make tweaks here and there but again as a casual i don't know what happened between then and now where you're telling me it's just kind of really unbalanced and boring a lot of it is balanced decisions you know like, like like i said and like i said it's that bit it's that tank and support thing where these are the these are classes and roles that people don't want to play like when you play if you queue up by yourself people are always jump like immediately insta locking a dps every single time yep and it's like, so now you have six DPS, you have no healer, you have no tank, and you just get rolled by the three guys that queued together on the opposing team <laughs> who actually have a cohesive triad going on. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's really that simple. In, in low-ranked or uh, in casual play, if you have three guys that can coordinate a tank, somebody to keep them alive, and somebody to do some damage and protect them, they can take points and hold them and win. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's not that hard. And it completely warps everything. So yeah, it's it, they also aren't doing much with that game. Like they're not releasing new game modes on a regular basis. They're not pushing like they, there is so much potential for them to just like do complete like stuff that is not the core structure of that game, where it's six people fighting six people. They have extra modes, but they're not popular and they're not readily available all the time. Uh, they do the holiday one, some of the holiday ones, like they did the, you know, the Halloween event where, you know, you're in the castle, it's the Junkenstein's monster thing. And they have the Christmas ones and stuff like that. But like, they need something exciting. They need something that people feel like they're working towards or something. They need like an RPG mode, honestly, like or a battle pass. Yeah. 
or something but, like but, that. But that's the thing. I mean, this game came out three years ago, and I don't know how we are now talking about Overwatch during our Marvel discussion. <laughs> but have you guys heard of this Overwatch? But but the, the thing is, it came out three years ago, which in the gaming scheme is 80 years ago. And the game scene now has switched so dramatically that nobody wants to be stuck in a match for fucking 25 minutes anymore. No, yeah, dude, I can't even play competitive. Because uh, if you've played casually at all, you'll know that like usually for like capture points, you have to capture two points and you win. Competitives, you have to capture like four or five. You literally have to play for like 45 minutes in the same competitive match. It's like, why am I doing this? This is, this is horrible. I don't, this sucks. So yeah, no, I agree, Phil. It's uh, it's a mess. But I mean, to tie back in, or sorry, go ahead. No, because now I got another question. I yeah. didn't even want to be here, but now I'm like, hey, I'm <laughs> engaged. Um, what? Uh, all right. So right now, and again, and I keep harping on this, so people aren't like, this dude's a moron. Casual gamer. Um, I know battle royales are hot. What's mm-hmm. something similar to Overwatch right now that's big? So what I'm getting at is, could it just be? the type of game like are things going yes. to battle royale is that what all the kids but, are playing yeah battle royale is hot right now i mean it has been for the last year and a half it's it's only going to get hotter apex legends just came out and it's completely blowing up and I that's get, where most of your overwatch players are going because they're uh, it, there's different like roles it's just yeah. not run and gun get your guns kill everybody there's different characters that have different roles so they take battle royale and put the mechanics of overwatch and that's apex legends mm-hmm. and it's good it's real good it's really good and, and it's, it's fun to watch that's and it the- looks nice Yep, it looks great. It plays great. It's very smooth as opposed to – so, you know, the, the whole Battle Royale thing really took off about two years ago with PUBG, mm-hmm. uh, Player Unknown's Battleground. That came out, but that, that game looks like shit. It renders like shit. It makes almost everybody's system just chug to nothing, and it, it's, it's just not great. And it was essentially just a mod, like a, you know, a mod port. And it, they didn't develop fast enough. They made a ton of money, but they didn't get ahead of it. And Fortnite pivoted out of their uh, Save the World mode, which is, you know, just it's uh, multiplayer against uh, its PvE stuff. And they're like, hey, let's do Battle Royale. And it blows up because the visual style of that game and the gameplay appeals to children. It appeals to teens. And it blows up. Now we're getting a, Apex Legends is set in the Titanfall universe, so it looks more mature, but it's still got a. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a comic booky style, kind of like how it, it's a little less surreal than Borderlands, but similar. You know. Was uh, PUBG free to play? Initially, no. or no, 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 it was twenty bucks. Gotcha. And then you know Fortnite was. Thanks. Free to play. But <laughs> Apex Legends has been out for like what a month now? Not even. Not even and, three weeks. And it literally cut the legs out from Fortnite. And like it's also awesome free. I've been hearing yeah. that, and that's that's my fascination. Um, this whole the the whole free to play mm-hmm. uh, element, you know, which I think was, I, I mean, I'm not like uh, coming up with anything no one said before. I think that's what really made um, Fortnite such a big deal, you know. And so it's just an interesting change in the business. Yeah, which a bigger company like Blizzard cannot pivot that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Way to bring it back around. No, I mean Disney. Yeah, no, that's well, you know, and arguably that is probably a problem at Disney as well. We're talking about the biggest of big battleships. You know, this is a huge star destroyer, megalithic uh, 
<laughs> megalithic uh, company and there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of divisions. There's a lot, you know what I mean? And when something starts to fail, like for example, uh, when they bought Star Wars, they leveraged a lot of debt to do that. It cost them a fortune to get Star Wars. And it was initially doing pretty well for them, but the last Jedi drama and everything else that surrounded it, the solo failure, comparative failure, I should say. I got it, guys. I got it here on the show. You you ready? Paul, I can already see, for those that don't have the Patreon stream, the frustration in your face. Go on. They need the uh, Disney uh, free-to-play Battle Royale. What was the open world thing they had? That was kind of like the Amiibo. They need Infinity. to bring bring back Disney Infinity. Yeah. Battle Royale. Honestly, that would be be kind of insane. But cool. And with Kingdom Hearts. Paul's out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. Well, okay. The funny thing about the Kingdom Hearts thing is, though. Oh fuck. <laughs> no, this is. Uh, did you see that the um, the director of that game was like, oh, we don't need the Final Fantasy aspect anymore? Because people were like, oh, Kingdom Hearts 3 doesn't have hardly any of the Final Fantasy influence and it doesn't have those characters anymore. They're kind of like, it's almost completely lifted all out. All Disney, yeah. Right, it's all Disney. And they're like, well, we don't need it anymore. And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. And that's definitely going to cut me out because i'm like i i would come to kingdom hearts as a final fantasy fan not as a disney fan well congratulations there's 18 other games that you can play that have final fantasy characters right, no, it, the kingdom hearts it's series. fine philip you can play the game if you want to play the game shut the, shut up what um what i did like with the old kingdom hearts is the blending of the worlds and so it is weird playing this one um it, it is i'm like this is just a disney platform game this is not yeah. You know, all these worlds coming together. Oh, and by the way, there's the the Moogles or whatever. Yep, the That's the one thing they kept here. Yeah. yeah, sure. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> this has been a meandering path, so we should probably move on to the next topic here. Uh, Chris Hemsworth has been cast to play Hulk Hogan. Let me tell you something, brother. And by the way, you know that's not what the headline says that you wrote. I'm looking at it. It no, says I didn't Chris Hems, our Hulkster. <laughs> and I wanted you to say that. Uh, Chris Hems, our Hulkster. Chris Hemsworth to play the Hulkster in biopic directed by Todd Phillips. This is interesting news. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it is. And it's coming to Netflix. Nonetheless, Dude, so I can't, I can't wait to snap into a Slim Jim. That's uh, no, no, I know, but no. it's it's definitely going to be part of this biopic. Come well, on, you would hope so. So, from what I've been reading, and I don't know about you, but or or either one of you, but eighties wrestling is so good, and it's it it was a big part of my life. Um, I I find it hard to to be so in, similar with Paul that it wasn't part of your life as well. Um, and I know Tony Betty is still living in the 80s and her wrestling face has never ended but uh yeah this is going to be like the rise of the the grand champion himself in hulkamania so i'm pretty fucking stoked on this and uh, the fact that they're not going to get into like the later life bullshit drama where he turns into a lunatic uh because he has so much cte going through all this 
Yeah. Um, but but that's what I'm I'm glad that they're gonna end it, you know, or or try to end it on this like positive note and not really dive into his backstory of being a crazy person in his I, later years. I do feel a little bit like Hemsworth was like, Yay, I'm not Thor anymore. I don't have to work out all the time. Hey, you wanna be the Hulkster? Fuck. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, no, Phil, I, I, I kinda I've always uh caveated that like I don't like pro wrestling now. It's just not my thing. But when I was a kid in the eighties and the early nineties, there was a charm to it. There was a like a mystique to it when I was a kid and I did, I thought it was kind of real and all that stuff. And the the really outlandish characters, like the the larger than life, the the almost comic book esque characters that you know existed in the scene uh that was pretty cool and it's actually one of the things that i loved about glow when i watched glow is like i loved that it was all characters it was like this is so over the top and ridiculous it's great it's so fantastic and that's why i'm fucking amped that they're going to netflix because i'm hoping the creative team behind glow i think is the reason that this video this movie is coming here because they Mm -hmm. did such a good job with glow but i also hope that they fucking get their hands on it and 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 get to help write or at least you know shape this biopic sure do you think that this could potentially start to usher in like a resurgence of like throwback to that era wrestling type stuff like let me tell you mean gene uh i hope so i fucking hope so because you know what i i'm gonna say this i'm gonna be bold i would watch a pro wrestling, you know, reoccurring show right now, like an actual, like a production, like, you know, your raw or whatever. I don't know what is current anymore. Um, if it was done like eighties, nineties style, like over the top costumes. I mean, you know, honestly, they kind of still are. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's all so like, it's still over the top. And it's, it's also Walmart. If you know what I mean by that, like that's horrible. I shouldn't say it that way, but it's yeah, also Walmart. And but, not- but you're also not going to get those characters like Sergeant Slaughter or, you know, fucking the lunatic himself, macho man, Randy Savage. Like you don't see those crazy, sweaty, veined out coked out faces in yeah, front of they the try to, they try to get rid of the coke yeah, like, which, yeah. which is Why, the wrong it's move it's not okay, the same you gotta, you gotta get roxo up in there he's gotta fix yeah, this i need dr roxo to get all my wrestlers just jacked up on cocaine I, I talk about this all the time though. Like I remember as a kid, like one of the, the, the single most iconic moment from wrestling that i remember from being a kid is when andre the giant fought jake the snake and wrong. He, what you're wrong. No, but for what I remember, I'm not saying it's the most iconic period. I'm saying for me and still wrong seeing, you know, Andre's genuine reaction of being scared of the snake and everything and just the, the personalities and everything that came out. I just don't see that today. If something like that comes back, I could get into it. You know what I mean? Like I, it's, it would be crazy. It would be cool. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a, there's definitely, I think an audience for it, especially, you know, people like us, people in your, in your thirties and your forties who, watch this stuff as a kid glow has done really well you know what i mean it would be dope so this movie uh, this film i think has a lot of potential i didn't realize it was directed by todd phillips so yes i'm assuming there'll be some kitsch and humor and stuff to it Mm -hmm. um i was looking forward to it just based on the headline you know like all right cool but uh i hate to correct you know what your most iconic memory of wrestling is when hogan slammed andre the giant at WrestleMania in Vegas, 
when they were outside in the Vegas thing. And I might like, not have seen it as a kid, to be honest. Oh, no, you saw it. You just forgot. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well, he, he must have slammed him so hard that it just shook it me. It shook your memory. <laughs> it shook <Yeah>. you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, to this day, I'm still shook. <laughs> I, I, I don't know this, but are any of these classic wrestling, like, does WWE. Thank you. Have uh, like a streaming service where you can watch all these old yeah. matches. They do. Yeah. Okay. They they have a channel on cable, and then they also have a streaming service. Okay. I was I was gonna say because it would be dope if Netflix got all these like old classic oh, bites man. to help promote the release of this biopic, but there's no way that WWE would ever forfeit any of that. And they've been, um, you know, I got to brag on them. Their streaming service is actually pretty good. Um, it's 10 bucks a month and you get all the pay-per-views and they have all their original content and old things and new content. And like, it's pretty well built out. So take that CBS access. <laughs> <laughs> I, Oh man, the other thing is the old promos, man. Oh, dude. Those are the best. They are yeah. they the are best. insane. They are just like absolute lunacy. And and I would I would love to see. Uh one as a little side thing, one thing I always liked was like Kaiju Big Battle too. Like cuz it's so over the top. And for anybody who has no idea what I just said, Kaiju Big Battle was mm-hmm. Japanese you know kaiju monster costumes and they wrestled in them. And it was all ridiculous characters. It was basically like Kind of like your Ninja Turtles type idea in the like in the foam flesh of an actual wrestling ring. It was good stuff. It was fun. I liked um, I liked the managers. That was always my favorite. Why do these wrestlers have managers <laughs> that are running their mouth? And they were always their own, you know, unique characterization. Or mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Undertaker's man, Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer, come on! You don't have that anymore. Um, they really did kind of do away with the silly managers because they got to pay them, you know, like, yeah. Um, But Paul, I I think um, if you watched a little wrestling, it's, it's still as silly and over the top. And again, a little less Coke, unfortunately, because, you know, people were dropping dead. Um, But besides that, it's still, again, it doesn't take itself serious. Very over the top, silly. I just can't get into the whole, like I said, the, the Walmart angle the people of Walmart angle, you know, the, like the real sleazy, just, yeah, that part doesn't appeal to me <laughs> at all. Man. I just need to know casting now. Like I, all right. Hemsworth is great, but like, who's going to play big boss, man. Who's going to play macho man, Randy Savage. I can't wait to, I mean, let's be real. I can't wait to see Hemsworth as Hulkster. Like I oh. almost, yeah, I can't man. wait to see the first promo shot. Like that's going to be wild. And uh, you're not wrong. He's never not going to look like Thor because he's just going to keep bouncing from project to project. Yeah, apparently. He's just gonna you're right. Him. It is going to be wild. Like all the Hulkamaniacs who are oh, yeah. running wild. <laughs> Dude. Eat their vitamins. Saying their prayers. Saying their, you know, to this day, I am convinced. I, next week, I will be 40 years old, guys. Get serious for a minute. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for hogan i probably would not be a real american so it is it is thanks to him that i am a real american all this all this time later happy birthday oh, oh that's not a joke for him <laughs> wrong show all right huh what i'm doing he's he, doing the whole it's the hogan ear I, I know i know i know i'm messing with you buddy he was yeah. he was deaf in one ear no most people didn't know that so oh is that why he's like 
Huh? It's a big part of the biopic coming out. <laughs> They're doing a whole 25-minute segment where he loses the hearing in his one ear. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. My dad has hearing loss in one ear. Is my dad the Hulkster? Your dad is the Hulkster, and... <laughs> Let me tell you, he got... Well, did Some your father brother. get weird later on in life? <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> no, we, we can't uh, talk too real. It. Too real. Did we he, can't talk he, about that. Did he drive around in a roadster? No. Oh, uh, well, then maybe not. Did he Start have... watching Fox News and... Let me ask you this, and then we can move on. I'm sorry, but I got to know. Does your dad have 42-inch pythons? That he does. Yes. Oh, yes, well, does. it could be. It could, it could be. be. Yeah, you never know. Right. Who am I to judge? So let's, uh, I mean, obviously we don't have much more to talk about with that because uh, it's just an early casting announcement. But we do have more Hulk-related news, albeit the Marvel Hulk. And we're going to talk about Origins, which that other film is going to cover. So I saw Papa Covert was a little, uh, little shook here. I've been using that phrase a lot lately. Trying about, to be hip, uh, hip with the kids? I guess maybe. Look, fam. What? What? Keep going. Huh? So apparently they're retconning uh, the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk's uh, origin story. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, no. You mean his parents aren't going to get shot in an alleyway as pearls <laughs> drop? That was him, right? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Most fans know the origin of the Hulk. Bruce Banner worked as a scientist specializing in the study of gamma radiation, and he helped design and build a weapon called a gamma bomb. The bomb was ready for testing, but Bruce noticed a young boy that was in the test site. He rushed out to shield the boy from the blast, exposing himself to dangerous levels of gamma radiation in the process. The event changed Banner. Whenever he lost his temper, he would turn into the monstrous creature known as the Hulk. Dun, 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 dun. But apparently they're retconning it. And I, I'm not going to get into the details because that is unimportant, I think, to this, this whole topic. Um, Kurt's kind of reaction to it was just like, why? That's and, my question, honestly. Like, yeah. I was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> well, no, and it, it, that's just something when we talk about comic books, we, when we actually talk about books that are getting produced right now, this is a reoccurring question of mine, and it always comes up. Why? Why are we always reinventing the same things? Why are we retconning? Why are we, why are we killing characters and bringing them back two years later? Why, 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 why? Because it, it, it feels inauthentic to me. Why is the sky blue? Why, uh, <laughs> why are uh, gummy bears so delicious? These are just questions that will never be answered in life because that's what the comic book industry does. Hey, you find a trope and you run it into the ground. Happy birthday. That's what you do. I mean, and that's what they do. I mean, what, what do you expect if they're not killing people and then bringing them back, you know, 50 issues later, what are you going to have? You're just going to have a bunch of dead characters and fuck. We're not going to make up new ideas and make new characters. We're just going to fuck with the ones we got. The thing with the Hulk I know he's not as classic as your Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, but all of those, you know, to me, and I, this is a silly analogy, but to me, they're almost biblical, you know, like every, everyone knows the story of baby Jesus and how the Hulk was created. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's the so, same day. yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah. yeah. And, and so why would you change that? You know, it's almost, and again, I, Although it sounds silly, I mean this. It's almost like trying to retcon the Bible. 
Like, oh, we're going to change that story now. What? Are Why? Familiar Why? with King James? <laughs> nah, oh. I don't. I, uh, I, no, I don't read. Well, no, he plays for the Lakers now, right? <laughs> You're not wrong, though. Like, that's the thing. It's like some, some of these kids. <laughs> I'm ignoring you, Philip. Uh, some of these characters are iconic. Their backstories are iconic. It, it seems wildly unnecessary because it's, it's, they are the tent poles that the rest of the universe is kind of built around. Like, they are, let us stack everything else on top. Nobody cares if you change Jubilee's backstory. But if you, I don't know Jubilee's backstory. <laughs> well, no, but like that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you know, it's, Jubilee was a late edition of the X-Men franchise from the 90s. They've messed with her a little bit. Like she became a vampire and then she went back to not being a vampire. Like it's weird. But nobody really cares that much because she's a B-tier, maybe C-tier character. It's fine to mess with her for something exciting to try to tell new stories. But when you take an A-tier, iconic, cornerstone character and you fuck with it, the longtime fans of those characters get pissed off. And then the other people, the casual fans are like, well, I, that's one of the few characters I actually know anything about. And now you're fucking with that too. So you like, who are you writing for? Like, who are you not alienating in that situation? Like, who's excited? That's what right. I want to yeah, who's who hype for new Hulk backstory. And, and it just who doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know what I mean? So yeah. And Hulk is absolutely one of those characters. You know, there's obviously a few others, any of the big teams, there's the couple of the core members, like your, your professor X, you know, your Magneto, you don't want to mess with them. You don't nowadays, you definitely don't want to mess with Tony Stark, you know, that kind of stuff like Thor within reason. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's at least their origins. You can still do like the, the Thor storyline where they did lady Thor and everything and all that stuff. And he becomes essentially Odin and stuff that is actually all really cool. Like they really explored some nooks and crannies in that kind of section of the world, but they didn't mess with his origin to get there, you know? And in a world that somebody essentially created from scratch, I don't understand how you don't have a million other options of where to go, you know? Like, Well, that's true. If you wanted to change the backstory on one of your big characters, why not just create a, a Hulk Jr. or someone close enough a new well, character. I mean, that that, Nickelodeon. Yeah. They, well, but they've done that though too. Like, I mean, but, Amadeus Cho right now is is the actual Hulk. You know, the Incredible Hulk. Last I checked, he has a different origin story, similar power set, but he's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I think really what this all speaks to is the, these big. We've talked. I've I've said this numerous times in the last year at least. The big production houses, DC and Marvel have no fucking idea how to sell books right now. They cannot find a, a recipe, a formula that is selling comic books to fans. And so they're desperate and they're always grabbing at these, uh, these weak attempts to get, you know, publicity like the whole uh, Captain America thing from like two years ago. Now the, when he went Hydra, that was a publicity stunt, man. And they even like um, an issue in they're like, Hey, don't worry. It'll all resolve itself. You'll find out what's really going on. And it's like, well, dude, but now you just told me that this doesn't matter. Yeah. So you're fucking with my beloved character and his backstory and and who he is. And you're also telling me that it's ultimately not going to matter at all. Why am I buying this? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, why, why would I do this? And so it's just, I think we're in a really weird space with all of that. The house of ideas is no longer full of ideas. But Philip, you have any closing thoughts on this one? No, it's dumb. And <laughs> and they're dumb for doing it. It, like it really it. is. Like it's just fuck you're dumb. 
I don't, I, I don't accept your rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> I reject your rewrite. I, I, I reject it. Yeah. Um, so in other dumb news and related, you know, related to Marvel properties, <laughs> yeah, Captain Marvel has been a bit of a contentious film and it is already getting review bombed. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. Calm Good. down, Travis Jones. Good. No, he's actually on the opposite end of this. Uh, well, that's interesting because he, I, I know he has had his trepidations going in and he had his reservations, but he did, we're going to get to the article he shared yep. over at Blazing Defender today because I was impressed to see it too. I was like really happy to see it. But yeah, uh, basically long story short here, Captain Marvel's getting review bond. This is the same sort of thing we saw happen with like Wonder Woman and other female centric films in, in comics lately where a bunch of angry dude bros on the internet are going and just dumping literally dozens and hundreds of negative reviews for no reason other than to tank the reviews on a film. Philip, what is your first initial reaction to this? Cause you kind of brought this to the table. Oh yeah, man. I mean, come on, this is, <laughs> it's, it's just where we're at in the world these days. Right. I mean, thankfully the word of mouth has been more of a pushing factor on the movie industry recently than the scores on a, a website per se, because this is now part of our culture. And, and now people who really care about movies and going to films, they know this is going to happen every so often. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember texting you the day the last Jedi reviews came out yep. and I was blown away, flabbergasted, confused, upset, angry and then i started reading some of these reviews and it was like only a robot could type this bad yeah (laughs) like it's it's just and now you know i think last jedi if not wonder woman i can't remember which one came first that really set the president of these review bombs to try to tank movies um so it's just it's it's fucking silly and I mean, I couldn't be more hyped for this fucking movie. So, you know, eat my dick, fucking uh, Russian robots. I'm going to see this fucking movie anyway, and it's going to be dope. I I think the the worst part about this, and and Tony, please jump in at any point. I think the worst part about this is it's, it's definitely a combination. There are certainly bots. There are certainly bots that do this. There's somebody who has a financial interest in doing this for some reason, and they're doing it. But it's also dude bros. Like, I've seen comments in Reddit threads and stuff. They, these people exist. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I do, because I've seen the reviews for, uh, for Ghostbusters before, you know, that even hit fucking pre-production. Like, mm-hmm. th- they had those, like, typed up six years in advance and were just waiting to hit send on those shit reviews for that movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't see that movie, so I can't actually comment on if it is good or not, but, like, it's just... Uh, the, the world we live in now so anything with a strong female lead uh should just be thrown right in the garbage i think it was wrestlemania 25 hogan wrestled russian bots <laughs> it was awesome there, there was, was like great. three of them yeah um i think i think this one's a little bit different only because um i th- not that this makes it okay but i think Br- it's brie larson right yeah mm-hmm. so, pissed off some people with yeah. her comments and so i think it's people's way to get back at her which again is dumb but some um, of the some of the comments thing is they're spinning what she said out of context too 
uh, let's talk. Let's put a pin in that. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, some of it. I, I, I've seen some of it. But, go ahead. but the, the idea, I think these um, public, these giant rating things are dumb anyway. Because except the people that listen to this show, most people are dumb. And I don't want their opinion on a movie that, you know, it's just a bunch of dumb people reviewing a movie. I don't, I don't care. I don't want it. Um, I really don't want anyone's review. And so I'm just not, not a big fan of the whole Rotten Tomatoes uh, system. You know, so why even give people the opportunity to review bomb these movies? Like, fuck off. Like, moderate them out or something. You know, um, have people, has it even, have people even seen it? Like, have there been screenings? Yes, because yes. okay. yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, Perfect. You would think I knew the schedule. Well, you know, see, we're, I'm going to talk about Alita Battle Angel uh, at the end of the show when we talk about what we've been Ooh. up to lately. But, you know, we were talking about that. Like, Travis uh, over at Blazing Defender did his review of it uh, last week, and he was really positive on it. And it was um, – I was like, oh man, I just, uh, I, I've been hearing mixed stuff about this film. And Phil texted me in the middle of that and was like, it's, it's got a 90 something percent. And I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's got a 60%. Well, it, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, as we know, is split between critic reviews and fan reviews. This puts us in a really awkward situation because on a film like Alita Battle Angel, I don't agree with what that the critic reviews were. That that was too low. It's it's not a 90% movie. I'm going to be honest with you, and I'll talk about it more later. But it's definitely not like a 60% movie. It's not that bad. It's an entertaining film, for a, especially for a genre. It shouldn't be that low. But on the flip side, you know, when you get a film like Captain Marvel here or Star Wars or whatever, and you have people, you know, basically review bombing it, they tank the, you know, the the fan side, the, you know, just the, the normal everyday people side. And you can tank a film that way because especially if the critics also pan it, like that's bad. Like that's, that's recipe for disaster. So yeah, the, the Rotten Tomatoes thing is really awkward. And also there's, we've talked about this in the past. There's some questions about, the nature of the way Rotten Tomatoes works with certain films from certain companies. Like we know so there's a couple of production houses that have financial interest in Rotten Tomatoes and they often do embargoes and don't release the reviews until like literally release day. And so there's definitely manipulation going on pretty much from every angle that you can imagine. But yet we all rely on Rotten Tomatoes as like a, a an essential litmus test of what a film is going to do. I think that's the problem. I think they have, for one reason or another, too much power. Yeah. Um, you know, granted, I think the public gave them that power and people using their uh, using their numbers and stuff, their ratings gives them the power. But I'm just I've just never been a fan. And it brings us back to uh, the Ghostbusters remake which was it great no the thing is there is a middle ground and that's that's what gets i feel like gets lost in these uh public reviews was was the ghostbusters remake great no was it one percent hot garbage trash like i I think it's rated no like come on and there is something in between that there is a um i was entertained it was okay i'm glad i went you know whatever it was okay like no one ever says that there's never Mm-hmm. I feel like there's never that seven out of ten. Like, eh, you know, it's all right. It's, seven it's either... out of ten. Oh, mm. <laughs> wrong choice of word. <laughs> good, good fucking meme. God damn. Uh, <laughs> you got me, Tony. You got me. Uh, no, you're right. And um, actually, 
when I talk, I talk, you might've seen that I talked about Alita in the host chat for the network. Cause we have a shared, for anybody who doesn't know at home, we have a shared Facebook messenger chat that has pretty much everybody on the network in it. We very rarely actually talk about network business in there. It's mostly just shooting articles and stuff and shooting the shit. Breaking Sometimes balls. I have to mute it. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm at work. I don't care what Travis is eating for lunch right now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Also, but, um, these, these memes are a week old GSTU host. Can we get <laughs> on that? Like, uh, but you know, I threw my re- little mini review up in there, you know, cause we're not going to do a panel for it, obviously uh, here I'm breaking the panel. And I basically, you know, I said what I'm going to say later in the show and our producer, Mike Woodard, he was like, you know, and I'm almost going to do his voice here. You know, Paul, like, I want to know if you liked it, man. He's got a little bit of a Mark Maron thing going on, I guess. Uh, but, and I, he's not wrong, man. Like, and he actually apologized for calling me out. I was like, dude, I don't feel called out at all. You're, you're not wrong. A lot of times, especially somebody like me who tries to be a little more nuanced in my critique. Like I try to talk about like, yes, I like this, but I see it's flaws. They're there. You know, let's, let's just put that out in the open. I still enjoyed it. And I, in the case of Alita, I enjoyed that movie. In the case of Ghostbusters, I was shitting on that movie for six months before it came out because of the trailers. And then when it came out, I owned it. I was like, you know what? I went and I saw it and I had a good time. I laughed. I walked out with a smile on my face. It was not a 10 out of 10 movie, as you just said. It was good, but not great. And, you know, Alita was good, but not great. And we sometimes people just want to know, did you like it? Like, hey, you're my buddy. We like a lot of the same things. Did you like it? You know what I mean? And that's that- literally, those are my reviews now. I'll put, mm-hmm. I enjoyed blah, blah, blah movie. I Like Punisher. I enjoyed Punisher. Mm-hmm. That's my review, literally. Like, well, what yeah, about, but- no, that's it. I enjoyed it. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's, I also think that I'm starting to feel like percentages and like one out of, you know, one through five out of five and thumbs up and all that stuff is just arbitrary bullshit anyways. It's really hard to actually categorize this stuff. The Warcraft movie is great. It's really not though. (laughs) No. Um, But it's not, but here's here's the thing about the Warcraft movie. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's like hot garbage. the best thing Blizzard's done in the last five years. <laughs> fuck, fuck right off. Now I am upset. <laughs> he got me. He got me. He got me going. Uh, yeah, no, so it's this, it, it's really unfortunate that this is happening to, to films, uh, particularly happening to films that are female-driven. I don't understand why people feel like they need to tear down this attempt to give women some space in this in this little corner of the industry, in this corner of fiction. Like, nobody's talking about doing a Ghostbusters 2016 to the Avengers where every single one of them is recast as a woman. You know what I mean? And that is the new MCU like that deal with it. That's the next 10 years. And black widow is two women for some reason. (laughs) They don't even reverse her back. She's just two women. Um, speaking of talking down, you don't have to talk down. That was my problem with, uh, Brie Larson's comments. Um, so for those who don't know, I am not a white guy. I guess I'm maybe half a white guy. I don't know, but my mom's white. So that, does that make me a white guy? I don't know, whatever. I got, I'm part white of some. Off-white. Yeah, off-white. There you go. Mauve. Um, <laughs> but um, I, for all intents and purposes, I am not a quote-unquote white guy. But I didn't like her comments because I think she could, lift, she could have lifted people up, lifted up, female reporters lifted up. Uh, POC reporters without putting down other people. 
Sure. You know, and I, I just think that simple uh, difference would have made totally change the message. Now, do I think she's wrong? No. You know, do I think her movie needs to get bombed? No, let's not get stupid. But I think it could have been handled slightly better. Seven, seven out of ten. And, and and for clarification for anybody who doesn't know, you can obviously do your own research on this, but essentially one of the big points she made is that uh, like the people who, the press that cover her films are overwhelmingly white male and, and other comments to that effect. Um, I, I agree, you know, cause you're not going to win. You're not going to win over the bro crowd by telling them they're assholes to their face. Right. You're, you're, or just telling them that there's too many of them and they need to, they need to, you know, hold the lion and sit down and shut up once in a while. It, that is the truth. Yeah. I have, I've been confronted with that brutal truth as a white dude, you know, uh, well, like, the, I was going to say, there's a lot of white dudes that work in the press. Like, you know, I'm just trying to feed my family. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's I, I just got to go to work. I'm sorry, lady. Right, exactly. I, I can't help it. You know? Yeah. Well, it's and like when we've talked about uh, casting and for stuff in the past, like, you know, every once in a while you see somebody turn down a role because they're like, no, I, that is an ethnic role that I am not qualified for and you should not cast me. You should cast somebody different. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I believe um, Ed Screen from Alita Battle Angel did that a year ago or something. Like they wanted to cast him for a role and he was like, no, I'm a white dude. I'm not I'm not doing that. That is not a white character. And I respect that. Um, but there are going to be a lot of people who are not in a position to do that. There are going to be plenty of people who are like, I want, you know, to succeed as well. You know, should, you know, should somebody not aspire to do what they, they're passionate about or what they, their career is just because of their ethnic makeup or gender or sexual orientation? No, absolutely not. That's crazy. You know, because everybody's got to eat, like you said, you know, everybody has to, everybody should have a chance to succeed. But there is an imbalance, and I'm not sure that I, – I don't know that anybody suggested a way to solve it, you know what I mean, other than trying to lift up those that are underrepresented. Yes, I do agree. There is a yeah, there is an imbalance. I, I don't want to uh, make it sound and, like that's not the case. There definitely is. And, and as, a, as a white dude, I what? will admit that it, it taints – it taints the overall perception of the culture because it becomes really homogenous. You're only getting mm-hmm. you know, that one perspective for the most part. And that was kind of her problem was that she was like, Hey, this is a, a movie, you know, a female superhero, a fe- like uh, feature in female empowerment and blah, 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 blah. I, and what I think she was saying was, I don't know if everyone can understand that. I don't know if your average white guy uh, could understand that. I, I, I mean, I think, yes, they can, but not as much. It's a different perspective, you know? And so I would want, I want numerous perspectives. Heck, I want numerous perspectives on just about everything. And so I get what she's saying. Um, but again, yes maybe no. could have went about it better. Yeah, because if I'm a white male with a young daughter, right? I, I could see if, if that was the situation that I would be a little pissed off or not pissed off, but just like, Oh, come on. Like I was hoping that this movie was going to be used. Like wonder woman was to like empower my daughter to see that like, yeah, fucking women can be awesome and kick ass as well. So I can see where that could be a turnoff, but well, and there, I'm a white also, male with a son. So, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to argue on behalf of the bros a little bit too. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with being like a heterosexual male. Who's like, I think, captain marvel is a a really dope character i think she's 
you know, fierce and sexy in a way because Wonder Woman is definitely sexualized in that regard and be excited about that. I don't, I mean, cause if we look at DC, for example, DC is wall to wall, you know, seductresses. Balls. Oh no. Well, but like virtually every female character in DC is super hypersexualized. Yes. And Marvel sexualizes their female characters, but it is different and it is definitely not as egregious. So, I, you know, it's, I can see there's nothing wrong with being like, Hey, I think that's sexy. I think that's cool. I want to go see that, especially when it's done super tastefully like this film is and wonder woman as well. Wonder woman was fantastic in that regard. Yes. She was, she's a beautiful woman. She's got a sexy outfit on, but it was never tasteless. It was, you know, it was never like really egregious panty shots or whatever. There were two. I remember that specifically because we talked about it on our show. There were two random like, huh? I think actually now that I think I'm going to walk that back, I do remember I called. But, 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 not but, 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 um, all in all, no, it was not gratuitous. It was not, look at her boobs bouncing or nothing like that. It certainly wasn't anything like Suicide Squad was with Harley. No, no, no. Which was, I mean... That the, the 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 getting dressed in the uh, parking lot scene is iconic from that film, and it's like, did that add anything to this? Uh-huh. Yeah, like has she ever done that? I don't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I it's it's a complicated issue. It, you definitely don't want to punch down though, like you, you and it's not going to win you any favors if you go after the group that you're trying to kind of dethrone or at least shift out of the vast majority yeah exactly yeah so nobody's going to champion for you if you're punching down when's that movie coming out um next two weeks march march 7th yeah i think it's the first week of march so soon cool i am looking forward now that being said there are some early reactions to people who've gotten early screenings in and there's a lot of really positive reactions uh, so they're actually kind of an overwhelming amount of people, uh, screen and members of the press on Tuesday in LA. And, uh, the, you know, there's going to be an article link in the show notes. So you can go check out some of the tweets that are in this article, but, uh, let's just grab the top one here. Scott Menzel said, uh, Captain Marvel is everything that I hoped it would be. It feels completely unlike any other Marvel film, a unique and fresh take on an origin story that feels new. Brie Larson is fantastic as Carol Danvers. This is one of my favorite Marvel movies of all time. Somebody else said uh, has a great 90s sci-fi vibe with a tone unlike any other Marvel movie. Really, it's retro and trippy, mysterious and dorky. It's funny in surprising places and badass in all the right places. Mm. Is it the Adams family? (laughs) It remains entertaining because it's always changing. It's got the right stuff. Let me see if I can grab one more. The right stuff. Uh, Captain Marvel's Baby. great origin story Breeze buddy cop chemistry with Samuel L. Jackson Is so much fun And her relationship with Lashana Lynch Is the real heart of it Ben Mendelsohn and the cat both steal the show yeah, So this this is really positive feedback This sounds like this is going to be A unique interesting adventure And I'm, I'm excited I've been excited like Once they started showing like full special effect shots And like you know Having dialogue over it and stuff I was in I've been so excited to see this movie for months and I can't wait. Philip? Oh no, this just this solidifies things I knew when they announced it. I'm sorry, but I, I always knew that this was going to work. I'm a big Danvers fan, so I was happy to see this be put into production. I'm a big Brie Larson fan. The more that she beats down white men, the better in my opinion. Uh, anarchy is what I love. And to hear that it's retro and trippy just uh, is what I want to hear retro and trippy is two wonderful sounds and i cannot wait to see what kind of soundtrack 
goes with this movie? Ooh, this one is uh, Captain Marvel isn't what I expected based on marketing. It's pretty much an all-in cosmic space movie. Also, it's a lot weirder than I expected. I'm ben t- Mendelsohn is awesome as Talos. I'm taking drugs before I see this. And this guy I've follows decided. up by saying, it's not wacky weird like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh, think more race snapping into endless mirrors from the Last Jedi type scenes. And also, finally, the MCU and a Nirvana song come together. Oh, God! I called it! Well, everyone knew that that was going to happen because Nirvana was the 90s, but yeah, uh, yeah, I can't wait. A lot of people are really, uh, they keep mentioning Ben Mendelsohn too. I, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to do it. Ben Mendelsohn is great. I, would, I was won over by Mendelsohn on, uh, what is it, Bloodlines, that, that Netflix show. It was, okay, it was a Netflix, it's one of the first uh, original programming that really, like, when they made the big push. What and is he, what is something I would have seen him in, like, big budget? Well, he, he was in uh, Rogue One. He was the uh, director Krennic, the, the guy in the white uniform. The guy oh, with the, with the little cape. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's cool. He's been killing it lately because he's been in a ton of stuff. Like, he, his career just exploded after Bloodlines. Like, people saw the performance he put in in that film and he's in big budget stuff left and right, and he's just blowing up. So yeah. uh, he's really talented. Who is he in Captain Marvel? He's Talos. Who is Talos? The, the villain. Okay, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's like head, head scroll. <laughs> M- M- Mendelssohn is, is I, I feel like he's almost like the Jeremy Irons of, mm-hmm. of this era where he's that, you know, that actor that is the go-to excellent malicious villain really oozes all of that vibe when he wants to, when he lays it on, but is also affable. Like he, you know, he's very likable when he's being charming. So, you know, um, he... I feel like this will be the one where they try to set up. And I know you just said this, but more spacey stuff, more time travel stuff. I suspect um, that's the future of the MCU right now. And they, they have to get it in somehow. And I think this will be the one, you know, where, cause I, to my understanding, she she doesn't realize she's Captain Marvel. She's kind of in, I don't know if it's in two times at once, two bodies at once, or something. Having memories of a past life. So well, we know to me speaks all time. We travel know there's and, brainwashed involved because of the trailers and stuff. It, she, they literally show them like re-etching her mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Layering, and that is the I I believe the way the angle they're going to go is they're going to probably genetically modify her with Marvel's genes and so she's probably going to get some alien consciousness as well with that i would imagine i don't know exactly how they're going to do it but it, it's going to be it's yeah, going to be guessing just guessing yeah. yeah you got scrolls you got other aliens i'm excited for that i always yeah. like other aliens and creatures and stuff so, yeah. yeah i'm hype mm. 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 and th- this could be this could be the beginning of a brand new era of these really funky Marvel sci-fi movies that are. I just- really think it is. I really think it's the turning point. Um, yeah. Kind of turn it. You get your last Avengers, and now we're on to something new. Guardians prove that that it is viable territory. Thor Ragnarok doubled down on that. They're like, we can do buddy cop in space, and it works. People love and it. We don't even have to stick to the Marvel storyline. We can just do something silly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know. Obviously, Infinity War also have it has its space aspect, and it works. It all works. You know what I mean? I just want to put in uh, back to Ben Med- uh, Mendelsohn. I think he's the new age Gary Oldman. Okay. And I really see him as a as a solid character actor. In that, I agree. 
good things are going to come out of this dude the next 10 years. My, my, my reference was going a little farther back because Jeremy Irons really hit his thing in like the 80s and the 90s. Sure. Sure. No, but I agree. I, I I think that they're in the same kind of pedigree. You know, they are these fantastic character actors. Every time you see them on a movie poster, you're going to be like, ooh, ooh, okay, all right. It, not necessarily a household name, but somebody that you recognize their face and you know that they're good. That seriously just happened. I was like, I don't know who's Mendelssohn. What did they get? Oh, that guy? Oh, and like I literally am perked up. I got excited. I want to see him as a bad guy fighting Ms. Marvel, you know, or totally. Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. All right. Any uh, any final thoughts on this topic from you guys before we take our little break? Nope. Nope. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear a word from our sponsors or probably a you know network reel or something like that. And when we get back, we've got some speak pipes. Oh boy. So <laughs> stick around for that if you're a glutton for bullshit. So we'll see you in just a minute. Welcome back. I hope that break was awesome for you as it was awesome for us. Uh, if you're not a patron, go over to patreon.com slash not botched podcast. I almost said that on reflex <laughs> breaking the panel, go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel. And if you join our patron, you get access to the live feed. Well, not live feed, but the uploaded feed of the raw footage of our show, which includes the ad break uh, where we, kind of shoot the shit pretty pretty often uh we had a quick little conversation about a couple of things this week usually you get some pre-show as well but this week we forgot to record it anyways the point is we got some speak pipes we're going to jump into those uh they're probably going to suck because apparently two of the dumbest dicks on the planet think that our show is the battleground for their bullshit rather than our sunday night show but philip please cue our speak pipes philip that was weird, but not as weird as these. Let's go. So, yeah. Hey, it's, it's Kurt from uh, FGH Beyond. And uh, I just heard a couple of messages from Dennis. Uh, I think his last name is Rubbing Some or something like that. Any, anyhow, he just like pounding on people, making fun of Nicole with that terrible accent. And I don't even know why he was laying into me. I mean, it might just be because he's pissed off because his voice hasn't dropped yet, which equals to his balls not dropping but who needs to know about that uh so you know suck it dennis yeah that was that was awkward that was like that was like a a fifth of the length of the average dennis one so that was pretty good uh well still too long uh sorry to waste 35 seconds of everyone's life but uh there's 18 more of these so let's keep going okay cool okay so i was gonna let it go but then Dennis uh, decided to do his lame-ass Bill Clinton impersonation, and the only thing he got right was that the show sucks. But I'm <laughs> way off base, and stop picking on Charles D. Dick. <clears throat> All right, and the third. All right, so I didn't want to have to call again, but goddamn Dennis. Uh, I guess, to be fair, he has to do Bill Clinton and Harry Carey on every show or every stream that he's on or else too real unfulfilled <laughs> come up with something new you dumb dick and clots you suck ah what <laughs> <laughs> the worst part about that is he asked me if he could do speak pipes today and i was like oh yes that's all we got there phil yeah it's just um right. you know three well i think thank, i think that's the for... same guy that uh review bombed uh, <laughs> <laughs> well that that is uh, our good friend and member of the network, Kurt Booten, 
who is over on FTH Beyond every Monday and Thursday uh, at twitch.tv slash FTH Beyond. And then he is also the man up in the rafters on the Sunday night show that we are going to be doing now over at twitch.tv slash GSTU Media going forward. And yeah, uh, we have a really good time on that Sunday night stream. It is utter chaos and nonsense so you should check that out uh grab the vods you can go to fth beyond right now to get catch the prior shows but you can go over to gs2 media going forward and yeah so uh yeah it, it, first of all kurt stop no dennis stop Den- dennis yes, stop please both of you call each other and uh and and talk it out this well, is really not the platform for your your petty bullshit i i do believe that the the nature of their relationship is changing right now because dennis is a little miffed because he wanted kurt to be his dream daddy and dream. he he hasn't given him an answer yet i thought it was a cream daddy but that's cream, yeah. something different. <laughs> well i mean yeah anyways uh we got a couple more topics to talk about here um you know, I just mentioned a bunch of streams and that is because here at the giant size team of network, we have made a big effort in 2019 to expand our presence over to twitch.tv. And we have added tons of content to our existing channels as well as starting a bunch of new channels. Uh, for example, there is usually at least two, what, two streams a week over at botch podcast, right? Yeah. Traditionally. Yes. Yeah. There is, uh, you know, the, the FTH show that I just mentioned, as well as the, the big Sunday show, which is uh, um, previously Charles, he won't be joining us anymore, but uh, myself, Philip, Dennis, and uh, Kurt, uh, we have a lot of fun over there. We break a lot of balls. That is every Sunday night. And then, of course, Philip, you started your own channel recently. I did, and you did as well, Paul. I did. And we both recently in the last week or two hit affiliate, which is a big, big deal. It's uh, what that means is we can monetize. You can come over and throw us your Twitch prime sub. You can toss bits at us and mock us as we're, you know, streaming. And we're, we're both kind of, we're doing variety streaming. We're playing different things on PC or switch or whatever. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So we kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit because it's, it's kind of a whole new thing for us and it's, been kind of hot and heavy for the last couple of weeks and uh tony has not been involved in it at all so it's really awkward that he's sitting here and we're just going to use this as the platform to guilt him into being more present this is literally the first i'm hearing about it so um tell me more well what everybody needs more in their life is tony p henderson true and the one thing that people need directly is a live unedited uncut tony p henderson true and the best place to do that, Tony P. Henderson, is over at twitch.tv slash geekversuspodcast. Have, uh, have you mentioned the V-neck? Have you even mentioned it's wearing a V-neck today? You know, well, you don't no. get that in the audio stream. No, you, you don't. don't. Get that on the audio stream. It's a shame. If you love beautiful, bald men of some color, this V-neck. That's accurate. That's, yep, that stream would be for you. I uh, know. Yeah. Are you going to jump in on this with us, my brother? <laughs> you get, you made it weird at the end. It got a little weird. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> talking openly and honest. Yeah, man, it is something I want to get into. I'm trying to figure out some ideas and honestly carve out some time. I'm a very structured person. Sure. So things have to happen on a schedule. This is this time and this is this time. So once I sort all that out, you will see this uh, V-neck. 
That'll be awesome, man. Uh, I got I, I got to say it's uh, so you know the the heart and soul of the Giant Size Team Up Network will always be the podcasting roots that we have. Always, you think? Because I was I was one of my questions that I was going to ask you off air, honestly. But no, yeah, well, will we're it not always be that, or are times no, are changing? Well, well, I mean, that's we can have that conversation right now. We have plenty of time allotted in the second half of the show. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's, that's the thing is the, the culture of creating content on the internet is changing and, and where the consumption is, is changing. And right now, let's be real, twitch.tv is the frontier. You know, 10 years ago, it was absolutely YouTube and podcasts, you know, so you were using podcatchers and iTunes and stuff like that to grab podcasts. You listen to them on the go, you'll do them at the gym, whatever. Um, but that is growing. Like pretty much every major podcast that I'm aware of either has a YouTube channel that goes along with it, or they have a Twitch channel that they're often doing the, like I know diamond club, a lot of their stuff is live to Twitch. And then also it goes out on their pods, you know, in the podcatcher and everything. Um, the reality is there is a huge audience over at Twitch and it is, it's where the young people are, you know, people who are into gaming, but it's not just gaming. It, that has changed so much, especially in the last few years. Uh, IRL streaming has become a much bigger thing over at Twitch. Uh, talk shows and podcasts has a whole category now. There, there's even like, there's people doing ASMR, there's people doing, uh, art and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's an incredible you know, new, new place that is actually set up really well for creators, you know, both to get out there and just share your content with people and get discovered, you know, somewhat organically because of the way you can find stuff, but also uh, quite frankly, to monetize your efforts, you know, to, to, to make it so that people can support you and support you easily. You know, this, this cottage industry that we're a part of, a lot of us are hobbyists uh, or semi-professional. It's definitely not usually putting all the food on the table for everyone, but every little bit helps because shows like this have costs. You know, it takes a tremendous amount of our time, all that kind of stuff. And thus far, the best monetization method has really been what Patreon for the last several years. Yeah. But that, I really do think that that's starting to change and you guys can chime in at any time here and kind of derail me, but it's it's exciting, man. Like as as a new streamer, but somebody who has consumed streams in the past, it is so wild to go do my stream and see who shows up. And sometimes, you know, obviously we're we're starting out small potatoes here. It's a lot of friends. It's our, each other supporting each other. You know, a lot of times chat is fifty percent people from the network helping each other out. Like just let's you know let's drum up some action here and and make fun of each other and laugh at philip dying over and over again super mario brothers and stuff like that i thought you meant real life no that's yeah no no you can see it in my eyes just <laughs> yeah. reading the chat uh you know it but there's also you know the organic walk-ins like there are people who literally like I was playing uh, Everspace a couple, like a week ago, and that's a space sim game that has roguelike features to it. And somebody hosted me. They only had two people in their chat, but I still appreciate that. Uh, they hosted me, rated me. And what, is that, what does that mean for us? I, before the show, I was telling you, I'm kind of the old guy. Like, I don't understand the Twitches. Like, what, how does this stuff work on the Twitches? So, so if so someone hosts you. There's two ideas at play there. One is hosting is like, I can set up an auto host list or I can manually host somebody. That means if you come to my page, twitch.tv slash soapbox you will see, if anybody is live on my auto host list, you will see their feed. You will see their video, but you will have my chat. 
you can click on them to go to their, you know, their feed. Got it. And the idea behind that is you can, you know, cross promote with your friends or in this case, people on, on your network. And I've got a mix in there. It's, it's, I've got everybody on the network on mine, but I also have a couple of other streamers that I've interacted with who are cool. And I want, you know, we do a little bit of cross promo and stuff like that. So it works out really well. And it kind of makes it like a TV channel that whenever you jump to it, if that channel isn't live, there's always something on anyway. You have the programming. Yep. Right. You have, yeah, exactly. And then a raid is, so uh, as a matter of fact, I just set my schedule going forward for the, at least for the time being. Mondays, I'm going to start streaming at four o'clock Eastern until seven. And that is because at seven o'clock, Kurt does his FTH Beyond show. Well, his solo stream for Marvel Strike Force over at FTH Beyond. I am going to dump into him. I am going to literally take my audience and we're going to go raid his show every Monday night. And hopefully a couple of the people who are watching me will stick around and hang out with Kurt. So using your TV, your terrestrial TV analogy, it's a stay tuned for mm-hmm. American Idols up next. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. a lead-in program. Yep, totally. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And one of the really cool things about it is big streamers or even middling level streamers, people who are getting like dozens and hundreds of people, even potentially thousands of people in their stream, I've seen them go around and just go find a random person and raid them with literally hundreds of people. Just and, to support their, cha- their show, right. their channel. Sometimes it's done as a bit of a meme, like it's done as like a joke or, or whatever, but it's, it's actually, there's a chance, like when you suddenly get like a hundred extra eyes on you and your content, there's a chance you're going to grab some of those people mm-hmm. and they're going to, they're going to end up coming back. Uh, maybe not always. And it's always funny to see like somebody who's ill prepared for that. Just <laughs> like, get, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like imagining like your buddy sitting in his bedroom playing his favorite video game and 50 people walk in his bedroom door and they're like, Hey dude, you're doing pretty good. And it is just like really overwhelming and interesting. Um, but it, it, it really helps boost, you know, those small streamers who are trying to make their, you know, make the break. And uh, it's a, it's a really cool thing. And there's tons of people in the Twitch community who are like that. They, everybody, not everybody. There's definitely some people who are only in it for themselves, but there's so many people who are like, listen, you know, we, we raise everybody up together. Basically like I've got this audience, let me dump it on you. You know, I, I know like some of my favorite streamers always raid somebody at the end of their stream. Um, but it's, it's, it's exciting. And it's the big thing for me. And I, Philip, I want you to jump in here in a second. Cause I've been talking a lot, but I love how democratized it is. You know, 10 years ago, the big thing about YouTube was like, oh, this is the wild west of the internet. It's, it's democ- you know, this is democracy in action. People will literally make whatever content they want, upload it, and it's good. Unless it's like really egregious, a violation of their TOS, it goes up, you know, and then those people could potentially make money off of it. It's the same thing over at Twitch, obviously within TOS guidelines, like you can't violate some rules, but if you want to literally just talk to people for two hours on your stream, you're more than welcome to. If you want to stream the same game every single day forever and make it a full-time job, if you have enough people, you can, and they do. If you want to be a variety streamer like Philip or myself, you can do that. Like I play something different almost every stream. I have a couple of things I go back to for various reasons, but you know, I try to keep it fresh. Um, Charles, on the other hand, always plays Borderlands. You know, because it's something he's comfortable with. It's something he loves. It's something he wants to explore with an audience. So he jumps into it. And, you know, something that had, again, coming from the, like, kind of new to this, uh, new to Twitch, not new to, you know, yeah. content online stuff. Um, in my head, I was like, 
Borderlands? Who the hell cares about Borderlands? But then someone explained to me, like, that's not really about the game. It's, it's, it just sort of serves as a uh, experience to get everyone together. You know? Well, yes and no, because people have big nostalgia for these older games. Now, a, a person that I follow, his, his name is Grubby. And he only streams. Grubby. He he streams Warcraft three. <laughs> yeah. And today's stream, he had twelve hundred and thirty-five people in there. Holy shit! Yeah. So I mean, because people are so nostalgic about Warcraft three. Now look, Grubby's been doing this for years and was one yeah. of the first pioneers in in Twitch. But you know, sometimes the game matters, especially for for my community. You know, I stream Nintendo. Who's more nostalgic about old games than people who are willing to buy them over and over and over f- from Nintendo? Like, yeah. that's the thing. They just pitched a fucking Game Boy game that came out 27 years ago, and everyone's losing their shit to rebuy this and stream it. And so, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, the nostalgia. And what you were talking about before, uh, Paul, about, you know, rating. It's, I, it's it's what we do i mean i know that's what we do but like kurt will jump because i do i go monday night after kurt yep so paul passes to kurt and then kurt passes to me and then everybody realized that uh they didn't sign up for a fuck cast so they just <laughs> leave right away but it's the thought that counts but when my my stream is done i normally find someone else playing nintendo that i've either or a fan of that's a podcaster or I'll find a random person and just jump, drop my, my people into their, their stream. Can I, can I tell you what really has me uh, intrigued? And like, honestly, that this conversation really perked me up is the idea of, uh, of the live interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, believe it or not. I, yes, I have said it on record. I hate people. That is true. But I also enjoy, conversing with people mm-hmm. for a set amount of time like there's yeah. a limit but i thoroughly enjoy it um and to be perfectly fair that's the part that is missing in podcasting yes there's engagement yes i get comments from people and that's great but it's usually a week or two later when they finally li- not finally when they decide to, to listen to it and i forgot at the time what the heck i said and it's not a conversation, you know, it's, it, it's usually one way praise, which is great. And I appreciate it. But again, it's not a conversation. So the, 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 the live aspect, the back and forth uh, really has me intrigued to come play along. Well, well that's the, yeah, Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 well, no, no, no. So go. I, I was just going to say, well, that's the great thing about the botch page and the botch shows that we do is cause you know, you, we get people in there, especially because our show is so linear storyline People have questions about, you know, old episodes and they get to go in there and actually talk to us about it as we try to hook up some dream daddies together. And that, that's the thing I like because, you know, you never know who the hell you're going to get into chat. And we had people asking questions about like an episode we recorded two and a half years ago, two years ago. Yeah, but that's awesome though. That really is awesome. Oh no. And I, I was yeah, fucking dope, yeah. stoked on it because it's just like, Oh man, yeah, no, that was great times. Here's what almost happened, but we decided to go in a different direction, and this is why this is happening. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, the the live aspect, the the interaction with chat thing. I'll be honest with you, if you're streaming and you only have a couple people in your chat and they're not really talking to you, it can feel a little awkward. 
because uh, you know it's like podcasting. Well, but the, the difference is when we're podcasting, if you're not doing a live podcast, you know that you're talking to an audience that will get this later. When you're streaming to two people, it's you're, you're literally performing to the ether, like you're performing mm-hmm. to no one. Mm-hmm. You hope that somebody who likes your channel might come and watch your VOD after the fact, which uh, for people who don't really understand what I just said there, VOD is video on demand. Uh, you, most channels will enable it so that you can watch uh, prior streams for up to, I think it's two weeks or a little more than a week. Um, and that's usually up there for a while. So it, it's available. Wait, for wait, you. wait. I'm sorry. You say it's up there for a while. You say it's two I weeks. I said how long. It's it's a week to two weeks or something like that. But then they take it down. It's not like YouTube where it stays up forever. Right. You, okay. Well, the uh, partnered channels can save longer. Well, gotcha. yes, but there, there's an option inside Twitch to then just when you're done recording your episode to just push it right to YouTube. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. So that's what botch does. Every time botch ends, I go into the options and push it right to YouTube. Yeah. I've got to, I got to start doing that. I got to set up a channel for myself. And that's where it lives forever. But for the live, for the hotness, for the, the live conversation, yeah. that's all on Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but the, I had a stream, I think two ago where, I, I was playing some of the new demos that came out from the recent Nintendo Direct. And actually, that was another thing that I did. Philip convinced me to live stream, do a live react to the Nintendo Direct the other day. And so I set up my stream. I got in. I botched all of my text so we couldn't hear everything for the first hey, half of it. Thanks for the yeah. plug. Uh, but basically, um, I watched the Nintendo Direct live as it came out. And people were in chat with me and we talked about it. And like, I talked about my impression of what we were looking at. Uh, We had conversation that was sometimes not even about what was going on during some of the lulls. And it was really fun. And then uh, when I was streaming some of the demos that came out of that, I I uh, did Damon X Machina, which had a full, uh, like a four mission demo come out. And I also did the Yoshi's Crafted World that is going to come out soon. There was like one area demo for that we played that and we talked about it we talked about like the initial impression of this stuff and it was really fun and interesting um my chat watched me spend like 45 minutes on the same boss fight in damon x machina but uh basically it gets there are times where it's amazing you know like you've got people shooting questions at you you start talking about other stuff i've seen kirk do this he's playing strike force on monday nights but then they just start talking about whatever he starts talking about what he's watching on tv they talk about something that's come up you know in like comic news or something and it's it's cool and it's kind of a little bit of podcasting, a little bit of just hanging out with people, you know, your friends. Country, a little bit rock and roll. It's a little bit. Have you ever been at like, like, a, like Dragon Con, for example? You'll be having a conversation with somebody you know and you're comfortable with, and somebody who knows one or one of you or the other one comes up and is just jumps in, and then you're having this like suddenly much. In more interesting conversation with somebody you have no idea who this person is or it's your best bud, but you're talking to somebody that they don't know and you just get this really organic, interesting experience. It's, it's a lot of fun. And both as somebody who consumes that kind of content as, and as somebody who's now making it, it's exciting. It, it, not every stream is a winner, but it's fun and it's exciting and it's different and it can inject a lot of life into some of these things that are, would otherwise be kind of boring and mundane. So Man, and honestly, that is awesome. You sold me. Um, <laughs> oh, you'd be awesome at it, Tony. And, like and awesome honestly, what I dig more is how excited you are about it. Like, granted, hopefully people can hear it, but watching you on this video, like, you know, you're pretty stoked about it. And usually you're not stoked about much of anything. Um, wow. <laughs> but I no, feel so, attacked. <laughs> oh, no, you're personally attacked. Um, 
but in all seriousness, man, like it's obvious that there, there's some fun and enjoyment, you know, coming out of it. So yeah, man, I'm, uh, it's, I'm, uh, I'm excited by your excitement. It's honestly addicting. Like it is, you, you get hooked on the rush. You get hooked on the, just the interaction, the reoccurring, like, uh, doing stuff with the botch guys, uh, cause we do the Sunday show. And then last night we played, or was it last night? Yeah. Yes. Last night we played Sea of Thieves together on the Botch channel. It is really fun to keep interacting with the same people over and over again. And like, sometimes it's fun to just run your own stream, but another time, other times it's fun to get in with four or five of your buddies and just have utter chaos going on. And the, the, the people in the audience are eating it up. Like they're, they're chiming in, they're talking to you guys, they're making fun of you. They're, you know what I mean? They're having bit wars. So they're, they're literally throwing money at you got at you to get status over each other, which is hilarious. I guarantee you, if I jump in any one of your streams, my intent is to just jack it up. <laughs> you, and you know you what? Can try. Yeah, There's you can some try. Crazy but, people out there. Yeah, and you might actually enhance it that way. Um, but the other cool thing is, like, not not every stream is as chaotic and and intense as that is. Uh, for example, uh, we have a mod that mods for all of our channels, uh, Nicole, twitch.tv slash Nicole0991. She's trying to hit affiliates, so go give her a follow. She does super chill, you know, just like relaxing. I'm just going to play Minecraft or Stardew Valley streams. And I've met a whole different group of people by just chilling out in her chat and interacting with her while she's streaming because you know people who like those games randomly drop in and the next thing i know i'm watching you know somebody from the uk do an art stream where they're they're you know literally doing digital art on the screen as their stream and we're just hanging out shooting the shit and the next thing i know they're they're like asking me to plug my channel and they're you know what i mean they're plugging other streamers and then they're bringing their friends you know like, oh, I got five or six other small streamers who are all, you know, they all support me and we support each other and we're going to come raid your, you know what I mean? It's this incredible sense of community. And the next thing you know, you've got, you're, you're dragging people who like art streams into your vicious, savage, bully stream. <laughs> and it's just, why? Why why did you bring me here? Like, I don't like this at all. But it works. And sometimes- It sounds like it brings different worlds and different people and different Absolutely. interests together. For yeah. sure. Well, that's the great thing about it because it's just building communities upon communities about uh, upon communities. And, you know, everybody wants to be one of these. Well, not everybody, but, you know, everyone's striding towards the same goal. Mm. And, and the, the people that we've been interacting and hanging out with, you know, we're there fucking just everybody's lifting each other up and no one's, you know, beating anybody down, really. I mean, I take more heat. I feel than anybody else on this fucking network. It's goddamn horseshit. But you know, I'm dead inside, so it doesn't really bother me. But that's the that's the thing I like the most is just like what Paul was saying. Like, hey, we all want the same end goal. Let's fucking get everybody there at once. Yeah. So. Totally. I'm excited. I really am. I mean that. Yeah. It's it's and it's it's. I I will be honest with you. It has injected life into this network we are all talking to each other and interacting and vibing and planning stuff together way more than we were before. I have a family. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who streams with me every yeah. Monday night? <laughs> uh, Is really? Is it, do you play games with your son or something? Uh, my wife and I have a Monday night stream where we'll just play co-op switch games. Really? Go from yeah. like 
eight eight thirty to about ten ten thirty. Which is a vast improvement from when he was doing the Monday morning streams where he just locked Danny in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cat food. That was his uh, side chick. He did yeah. that one. The the morning show. The, yeah, it's my morning show. You yeah. can just hear the baby wailing from the basement. But you know, you you started to ask a question earlier, Tony, about the network and about the direction of this stuff. It, is this going to change the future of the giant size team up network? I think so. Uh, all of us have the bug now. Like everybody who's been streaming has the bug. And like you were saying, it's kind of this direct contact with your audience. We're not going to stop podcasting. You know, Botched is still going to record their shows. Unfortunately. Assuming Ooh. everybody's sober enough to do so. Um, zing, zang, <laughs> zoom, zang. <laughs> you know, we're going to keep doing breaking the panel. You know what I mean? None of that stuff is changing, you know, but we could, we, we did before breaking the panel, we did from the helicarrier and breaking the panel was the second half of that show. Eventually we did that live on Twitch. This network literally started on Twitch, but it was a very different world then. It was, this was five years ago. It was a different platform. There was largely a different audience. It had not taken off. This is, if you talk to teenagers and preteens and people in their early twenties, like college age people, Twitch is like one of their primary sources of entertainment, Twitch and YouTube. So we are tapping a whole new audience. But then on top of that, we're also getting the people in our own age group who are like, I want to go watch my friends do dumb shit, which, and, or podcasters I listen to, I want to watch them play video games. And yeah, so it's definitely going to shape the future. It's going to change things, but we're not going to lose our core. I know, for example, Phil, Charles and I, we are still very much committed to producing good content like good something like this like round table conversational content is that new is that a new thing (laughs) and phil with the savage mute ha mute you bitch shut your mouth yeah you better unmute him so we can finish this show (laughs) but yeah no it's 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 really exciting it's crazy Uh, i'll tell you personally it on one side, it pushes me to try to better like what I'm doing. Like I want to make my stream better. I want to, I want my stupid panels underneath my stream box to look better. I want to have links to everything. I want to have awesome emotes and I want to have awesome alerts when people do stuff like follow or sub, like it, it suddenly pushes you to just be so hungry to do so much more with your stuff, like your content and make it so much better, make it so much more entertaining and interactive and fun. It, it, gets the creative juices flowing. Like, uh, for example, I mentioned Nicole, I started hanging out in her chat, watching her play Minecraft and Stardew. And I was like, we should do a duo stream because she's just like, she's hanging out and she's, she's, you know, crafting and building stuff and whatever. But I'm like, I could come into this and just fuck this up (laughs) and just completely like, so chaos for you. And it will be hilarious because you're going to get a little bit like, you know, uh, what is going on? And I'm going to be like, oh, da, da, look at me doing the thing. Oh, I blew. For example, when we were doing the uh, CFE stream a couple of weeks ago, Charles blew up our ship because he doesn't understand how a powder keg works. It was really annoying at the time, but it was an incredible moment. I just wish he was the main streamer at the time. So people could have seen him do the whole thing. That would have been incredible footage. So the point I'm making is it suddenly you start considering doing things. You were, I had no idea that I was going to do something like that. And that's going to happen. I'll talk about it at the end of the show. That's going to happen sometime probably in the next week. I'm going to do a duo stream with somebody. We're going to have both of our streams going. We're going to play Minecraft together and I'm going to do my best to cause chaos, but not completely derail the whole thing. Um, the Sea of Thieves was super fun last night. Tristan literally does not give a shit about contributing to the overall goal of the group. 
he just wants to play his best version of a pirate and stand on the ship and play his, you know, his musical instruments and look as cool as he possibly, like we're handing in stuff and he's running off and buying new cosmetics. That's all he cares about. He wants to look dope and stand there and be a <laughs> douchebag. And the, bitches in money. Oh wait, I'm sorry. And the thing about it is it's not even like, it doesn't even bother us because he's so fucking charming about it. And it's hilarious. I'm steering the ship last night and these dumb dicks are standing in front of me, puking on me and covering my screen with spew so that I can't see where I'm going with the boat. And it was fun. It was crazy. Twitch is an amazing thing. Like if you did that to me and we weren't streaming, I probably would be just be like, <laughs> this is dumb. This is dumb. I, I don't want they puked on you in real life. Oh, if they puked on me in real life, it'd be bullshit, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Dragon Con. Dragon Con, yes. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Philip, do you have anything else to contribute here? Or? Um, A little bit, yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of weird how this all started for the network as well, because it's, like, it's not like in 2018 we were like, yes, this is the year, 2019. We're going to all start streaming. We're all going to get in line and start doing these, these subterranean streams, and everyone's going to – there was really no master plan behind it. 2000. 19 opened and everyone just like somehow organically was like yeah i'm gonna start doing this yeah yeah no that sounds great i'm gonna do it too i bought streaming equipment two years ago (laughs) studio lamps a a high-end mic i was gifted a shitty uncomfortable gaming chair and it just it never happened until you know my my friends on the internet you know persuaded everyone else on the friends on the internet to start doing it so yeah i always wondered what that gaming chair was that's suzanne's chair ah the Uh, shitty one the shitty one yeah okay all right got it um but it's it's been a lot of fun and it's it's kind of over the last two months has (laughs) uh it's it's kind of weird it's kind of like the beginning of botch where it started to pick up really quick and we don't know why but we're just gonna jump on our surfboards and, and ride it out as long as possible and it, I'm having that feeling again. It's just like, oh, shit. Oh, whoa. Huh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, I'm not weirded out by any of this. Let's, let's go for the ride and, 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 and have fun. So Yeah. And it's brought me and my co-host on, on my main show, Botched, <laughs> closer together. And it gives us a different creative outlet, which, which I fucking love. Because, you know, I had Dennis in my house uh, about a month ago. And we did a live stream of Botch Loved in the house. And then the next morning, we drove out to Ohio. And that trip, we were riffing for the entire drive to Ohio. And we've never had that kind of long-form improv riffing in, in a long time. And that was incredible. And that's all because we started streaming this year. So it's, it's been wonderful. Yeah. The end. What, was, what was in Ohio? Oh God, yeah, treachery! Hall of Fame, treachery. But uh, we went to the NFL Hall of Fame. Oh, nice! Yes, it was very nice. But getting there was treacherous. I did see that. It was the last of the Eagle stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. That's, that's you guys why. Definitely go back soon. No, they closed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's closed now. <laughs> Yeah, the exhibit is uh, the Hamburglar. Yeah, exhibit came in and, and said, you know, 
we need to pimp your 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 building and then they just closed it that was the best way to handle that situation oh man all right well i think that that about brings us to a close on this uh, topic of twitch we will plug at the end of the show but please know that if you want to see us do the dumbest and funnest stuff on the internet that we do you can come check out our streams we'll talk about it at the end uh i've got a little topic here I, I feel like you guys aren't going to have a lot to throw in on this, but um, I talked a couple weeks ago about for Magic the Gathering that Wizards of the Coast has been making some major changes to the competitive circuit and to how they support things. And they've been making a big push to make Magic into an eSport and get it up on Twitch, largely because they have a relatively new game, uh, Magic Arena, that has been doing very well. Like it's been picked up by a lot of players. People are enjoying it. People like streaming it. It's doing better than any of the prior digital efforts have done. Um, however, with this 2019, they essentially gutted the competitive circuit. Like they got rid of what was formerly known as the pro tour. They got rid of what was formerly known as grand prix, which were big public events that had thousands of players in them. They got rid of And, and some of this stuff is coming back, but it's getting rebranded. Um, they got rid of the hall of fame, which is a big deal. Yeah. I just talked about that exhibit came in and closed the building. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and so today, um, Brian David Marshall, who most of you will have no idea who he is, uh, he announced his retirement from the Magic coverage team. And this felt like such a like capstone on the death of what Magic has been for the last like 20 years. M- maybe a little, I think the, the pro circuit started around, yeah, right around 99, 98, 99, um, the, the pro tour and everything. So for about two decades... Magic the Gathering has had a competitive circuit of, you know, tournaments where thousands of people competed to get to the top. They played in these big events. They won decently sized prizes, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And there was a whole Hall of Fame and everything that went along with it. And Brian David Marshall was the pro tour historian. He was the guy who had been there from the beginning and like knew everybody. He could rattle off stats like as if you were watching, you know, a football commentator. And that's basically what magic competitive magic streams have become is they are like a sports event. They are in many ways, they kind of were esports before esports started to blow up. As a matter of fact, we were just talking about Twitch, the early days of watching Twitch for me, I remember when it was justin.tv and the first content I was watching there was people playing competitive magic like 10 years ago. So this kind of feels bad, man. Mm-hmm. Because it feels a lot like you such a dick. <laughs> it feels a lot like, uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast, who's owned by Hasbro, is closing the door on 25 years of what made this game great. And they're putting all of their chips over with this new digital offering that happens to be doing well right now. But it really it feels like they're leaving all these enfranchised people behind. And you're seeing, you know, people who've been invested for two decades walking away how does that hit you guys as, as maybe as outsiders looking in how does that sound does that sound like a smart play uh i will say i used to many many moons ago um back when you were watching 80s wrestling i used to play magic i was big into magic for a while um just kind of fell out time and expense and whatnot sure um so i say that to say i'm not familiar with the um streaming portion and the esports portion Um, but I could see it being an end of an era, you know, if it's a a favorite personality or, or, or a staple of magic, I could definitely, again, see that being the end of an era and feeling bad about it. 
Um, it sounds like they might be going all in, though, like too many eggs in the basket. Yeah. Um, for something that has always been traditionally a card game. Yeah, a physical. You know, yeah, a physical take, card yeah. game to, to take that part away. And I guess, I don't know if they're trying to directly compete with, say, the Hearthstones of the world or sure. get in their arena. But, you know, it, it as a um, nostalgist and stuff, it just it doesn't it's not the same you know magic to me is in my hand and i look at the art and read the quotes and you know it just doesn't feel right <laughs> one one of the interesting things about that though is uh did i like my twitter my twitter account's kind of old i don't post to twitter very often but probably about 80 percent of who i do follow on twitter that has nothing to do with podcasting in the network are magic players that i followed like 10 years ago and it, I was really into the competitive scene. I was into the watching those streams and everything. The really interesting thing to me is that they all started talking about how, you know, competitive magic was never always about just the competition. It was, to, to play the pun, it was about the gathering. People got into playing competitive magic because they their friends played. They all had this shared common interest, but they would travel to cities for Grand Prix and pro, pro tours, and they would hang out. You know, obviously, and, and if you scrubbed out, you know, if you go and you scrub out day one, you, get, you go like O2 drop, or even, you know, you go in a little bit and you end, up, you end up scrubbing out day one, you just go hang out with your friends. And maybe you do side drafts, maybe you, you know, do whatever. You go to dinner. Like, I used, I remember reading all these stories about, like, the dinners that they would, they get, like, 15 people out at dinner. And it's, it's actually probably pretty similar to what we do at DragonCon, you know, with our podcast community, with our content creator community. We hang out, and we have awesome times. And that's what these people were doing. And that's what was really kind of the driving force yes there's the personal personal accomplishment there is the challenge there is this you know aspiring to be among the best at something that you that you enjoy and that you care about and that stimulates you intellectually but there was also this whole community and all these friends and a lot of people are like dude that that's dead like arena is cool and i i like watching streams and i like you know being able to stream or whatever but like I want to go hang out with my, my dudes and my dudettes. And I want to, you know, I want I to go where the people are. Well, and the other part is uh, for a lot of these people, they traveled to places they would never go to otherwise, because Hey, the events in this city this weekend were, you know, and they plan it for months and everything. So it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of sad. I, I'm out of competitive magic. Like I don't play magic competitively anymore for the most part. I'll go, you know, crush a local draft or something once in a while and, and bring all the dollars home. But it's, I'm never going to try to make that pro tour grind. And I'm probably definitely not going to try to do it through arena either, just because I don't, I don't want that to be the only thing that I do. And I'm probably not good enough to do it anyways, but it just, it, it feels shitty. And it feels like an institution just like got completely toppled and yeah. This is, oh no, I'm sorry, Tone. Go ahead, man. Oh, well, this is a business move that should have been made five years ago. Potentially. No, no, it it is fucking full on feels like what Blockbuster Netflix did, Mm. right? They, as soon as Hearthstone was in the ether of like, this is going to work and we're going to make millions of dollars off of it. This is when, um, uh, magic should have made the decision to do this it just seems like now that they finally have a competitive game that's that's decent enough to 
maybe compete with a failing card game that is Hearthstone. It, it just feels like they're trying to play catch up and, and, and it's just, it seems like it's too late kind of when like Blockbuster was supposed to buy Netflix. They yeah. said, nah, fuck you. Okay. Well then Netflix came out. It's popular. Oh, uh, and then Blockbuster is scrambling to get this online service available for people. So that's, it just seems what to me, that's what's going on. I, and uh, it's just a big fuck you to their fan base. Well, yeah. And, and well, the other issue is, uh, there's the business side of this, you know, the, the local game store and honestly, a lot of comic stores, I talked about this a bit last week, rely like any, any store that carries gaming products relies on magic, the gathering. Yep. It is hands down the biggest profit driver. It is. Okay. The- wait, wait, I got to interrupt. I'm sorry. So with this new move to <clears throat> all online, there, there's no more cards, no more, nothing. No, no, no. It, that's not it yet. Okay. We're not there. And they didn't just torpedo their entire, you know, physical business, but it definitely looks like they're like trying to disincentivize it as much as possible so that people are like, well, the future is this program. You know, Friday night, I'll just stay home and play on online. Potentially. I think some people are going to be doing that. Um, The issue becomes there are hundreds, thousands of stores in communities that are built around this game. They rely on this game. People's personal livelihoods are tied into this game. There are businesses that have millions of dollars in inventory for this game. There are people who have invested into it because it is more reliable than the stock market or, you know, a savings account or a bond. Like there are people, like I personally, I have sustained myself through selling magic cards, buying and selling magic cards. I've done that recently. You know, it's, been a big part of my life at different points. There are lots of people who have basically invested a huge portion of their life into the physical business that is magic gathering. And this could spell the doom. Like you could see most local game stores just dry up. If the lack of paper competitive events and support for it just dries up sales. If it dries up interest in the physical game, It could be devastating. And on top of that, it could have ripples. This will absolutely have an impact on, say, board game companies. And, uh, you know, we, we talked last time you were on, Tony, about Keyforge, Fantasy Flight Games. Fantasy Flight Games' whole business model is largely reliant on Magic being the flagship for all these stores. Like, they basically rely on Magic making these stores enough money that they'll, carry, they'll buy their products and carry them. If that bottom falls out, their whole business model falls out like i honestly believe that like i just don't think that they can have all the games that they have and everything and i don't think a lot of these uh board game companies can do you know there's obviously going to be interest beyond that and there will probably be a way that a lot of this stuff can survive but the indie side of it and the the you know what i mean the like not your main not your settlers of Catan and all that kind of stuff games your smaller games your kickstarters and all that stuff without a local store for people to buy that stuff in or to play that stuff at could potentially just bottom right out to me, uh, hearing you talk about it, I equate it to uh, sort of the death of arcades. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I was a big fan of arcades. Home systems obviously caught up and surpassed mm-hmm. arcades, and no one has a reason to go anymore, and they no longer exist. And kids today have no idea what that even is, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's just a thing of the past. And so, I mean, you, you got me scared, it, you know, that – 
not even that I play anymore, but I do like to know that there's people out there playing. When I do go to my game store, I like to see it packed with people mm-hmm. having fun playing their different things, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely hate to see that go away. Uh, I, I just don't want everything online. <laughs> well, it, that's the thing. And a lot of other, you know, even not professional magic players or semi-pros or whatever have said, one of the things I love about physical magic is I go hang out with my friends at my local store. I, I talk to people. And a lot of these people are like, I have an office job. I sit in a cubicle all week. Friday night, I get to go hang out with people. We go out to dinner afterwards. That's what I used to do. When I played, you know, with the local community here, we would get 10, 15 people and go out to dinner every Friday night. And we would laugh and like shit on each other and have a great time and, and get kicked out of certain restaurants <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But it was Shut the Denny's down. It was this beautiful thing. And we were all hooked on it. Like every week that was like, that was the pressure valve, you know, like no matter how shitty your week was, you were going to go ha- you were going to go play some cards and, you know, the good players were going to win some money. There might be a couple fights and then we're going to go eat dinner together and it didn't matter. And it's, it, it really breaks my heart to think about that bottom falling out for literally millions of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this game is, you know, the arguably the biggest tabletop game ever. You know, it is touched just about anybody who's a nerd of any shade has said, yeah, I've tri- at least tried it. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not have stuck with it for very long, but it's iconic. It's, it's kind of the most nerds have dipped their toe in. Sure. Uh, your Friday night you were just talking about is what Tristan still does and has for the last four years. Yep. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I know exactly where he's at. I was there, you know, at one point. Yep. Uh, anyways, uh, any closing thoughts, guys? We're going to good. We move on. Uh, so I, I just wanted to throw one thing out. This isn't really a conversation thing. Um, Humble Bundle has, for all you role-playing fans out there, there is a Pathfinder 10th anniversary bundle up right now. If you are into Pathfinder, if you're into D&D even, because uh, a lot of the information in it is translatable to 3.5 or even later editions if you want to convert a little bit. Uh, as high as $18 is the highest tier. You can get like 30 books from Paizo for Pathfinder, including uh, core books, including the Starfinder core book for the sci-fi setting and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's a really great deal. I know a lot of people are loyal to Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons, and that's totally fine, but Paizo was there for us when we got let down by fourth edition. And, you know, they deserve your support if you're into uh, older editions of D&D and everything. And if you're into good companies producing good content for tabletop RPGs, Philip, what have you been watching, reading, or playing lately? I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. Uh, yes, I bought a Blu-ray, and then I opened it. And then and you opened it, it and put it in something. I put it inside a PlayStation 4. And <laughs> Why would you do that? Because I'm a Renaissance man, Grandpa. <laughs> Uh yeah, I we we I got Suzanne uh Bohemian Rhapsody for Valentine's Day and we sat down and watched it and it was pretty pretty dope. Uh we're big Queen fans here. Uh Freddie Mercury's held pretty high up in the pantheon and the you know his his jersey is hanging up in the rafters in our house. Not he's no Bowie, but I mean he's he's close. And it was good. It was really good. I mean Remy Malik really did a solid ass job and the details that the production team went in for this film is insane Mm -hmm. absolutely insane and uh you know just watching the bonus 
features and, and the behind the scenes making videos on that Blu-ray disc is the reason I bought it. It is just, it's incredible, incredible. Like they went out and they built a replica of a barn studio where they, they recorded um, a night at the opera, which is one of the bigger records that they put out. But what, what the production team did was they found this old 1970s, you know, uh, mixer, giant mixer, and they found the original rendering reel to reel tapes of Bohemian Rhapsody, the song. So when they're filming people hitting the high parts during the um, acapella and, you know, the middle, the middle part of the song, it's the actual meters are on tune because it's the actual recording, the reel to reel recording of it. Small things like that really like make me hard and thick. So it's, it, it was just, it was a good film, really uh, well put together. Um, uh, they, they recorded an entire session of Queen's Live Aid, like all 22 minutes they recorded to the point where like you, there's an option to watch the entire Live Aid concert if you want to with, with the actors doing it in front of 500 people. Um, but also just little things in that they, they brought in like the, the promoters of Live Aid originally to like the set and like just triggered a bunch of these emotions because down to like posters on the wall and like the, 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 the guitar switchings at perfect time for each song was like so dead on that you could tell that this movie was really made with, with love and care. And uh, even though some of the timeline is not in order, um, Mm. you know, you, you gotta, you gotta shorten up a, 40 to 50 year career in two and a half hours so and you got to tell a good story that's compelling at the same time so i kind of forgive him on that so i enjoyed it yeah i i I remember calling that out when i talked about it when i saw it in theaters and i agree though like ultimately i don't think it matters that much um the 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 only thing really matters the only thing the references this man has today has just been the, the only uh criticism that i that i really saw that i kind of agree with is the way they address the sexuality um they, a lot of people felt like they didn't basically address it honestly and straight on uh that, that was no bad. pun intended yeah. yeah uh well basically like they try to make it seem like he was bi but or not bi or whatever i can't remember exactly the angle but the whole point was like people were like it, it would have been nice if they were a little more clear and and you know where he actually lied because it's an important part of this this figure you know like he's a lgbtq <coughs> icon you know sure. like it's this is an important person to a community and uh it would have been nice to have the film like more accurately and properly represent it was a criticism uh but other than that yeah i loved it dude i agree with you like it was it was real dude chills right like at in various scenes and different performances and stuff like late stage freddie mercury and remy malik kind of freaked me out yeah because it was just like once he got the short haircut, the short haircut with the mustache. I'm just like, that's Freddie Mercury, especially during that live aid scene. It's just like, yeah. even some of the, like the hand twitches on the piano that Freddie had Malik got down like perfectly. And there's this sweeping shot where he, the camera comes across the, the, the piano and at that sweeping shot, I'm like, I am just fully um, engaged that that is not an actor. And I'm just looking at a portrayal of Freddie Mercury. That's how close and accurate it was. And there's a lot of controversy about him getting um, nominated for, for an Oscar, which is just like, 
okay. I mean, everyone has their opinion on that. Do I think he should have gotten it? Well, yeah, I do, because his job was to portray um, a, a, an iconic person from history, and he did that really well. Yeah. Um, people were pissed that he lip-synged. I mean, how are you going to sing like Freddie Mercury? I'm sorry. It's- that, was a le- that was a legitimate complaint? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I'm with you. I, like, what would you expect? <laughs> There's literally a line in the film. I don't know if it was just tongue in cheek that mentions that he had extra teeth. And it's one of the things that gave him more range, more octavial range. If that's honest and it wasn't just like a joke, how can you imitate that? You really, you know what I mean? Like actor gets nominated for a word for acting. (laughs) Also similarly, you know, you're you're never going to find somebody that is the perfect mix of every physical characteristic and background thing that goes into that performer. You're not going to get someone who has the accent, the, the cultural background, you know, the home background and the accents that were present there and living in the UK and everything. You know what I mean? Like he's a unique entity. Like you can't just recreate that easily. And nobody, so nobody sounds like Freddie Mercury. Right. No, like they and nobody ever has since. No. So that, so for someone, Oh, they were lip syncing. Yeah. There's Can literally you, only one. And no, but nobody wants to listen to somebody sing Freddie poorly either. No, yeah. no. Let because, it have been just a, a octave off or something. It would have been trash. Completely. You know? And, you know, can you believe that Heath Ledger got uh, fucking nominated for an award and he's not actually a clown? Can you believe <laughs> that? <It's ridiculous. laughs> or, or a psychopath? No, he's not a clown. <laughs> yeah. I, um, um, I actually have not seen it yet, um, which... I've I love Queen as well, and I've been meaning to. I just haven't gotten around to it. And I was like, oh, I'll make some plans. I'll watch it with someone. I'll invite a friend over, like a lady. But then I don't want to cry in front of them either. So I'm like, I got to find some my own time. That's a very to sit down and watch this. You know, yeah. there's yeah. There, there's a. I mean, obviously, everybody. There's a moment where he reveals his diagnosis to the, mm-hmm. to the band, and it's powerful. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's a it's a really it's a thought provoking and heartfelt moment and it, everybody, you know, actually, and there's been a lot of focus on Rami, but the, I don't know his name, but the gentleman who plays Brian, Brian may. Yeah. It was incredible as well. That's another thing I want to talk about. I mean, everyone's like, yeah, Remy Malik is Freddie Mercury, but the casting was so well done for this movie that each one of the band members look exactly like, they did, and, and Queen went through many different stages on look, um, except Brian May. He's always looked the same. Um, <laughs> He's always looked like an astrophysicist. But yes, well, that, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. that's the thing. I mean, and, always. And it, it was just, they nailed it. And, and the fact that Brian May and Roger Taylor were involved through the entire process, you know, it shows. It really does. Um, and I was happy. The only thing I was really upset, uh, not enough Flash Gordon. Oh, I was just going to ask. Nope. I was going to say, do they talk uh, about Flash nope. Gordon? Nope. And like, they hit like, right. There's a scene where they're like, this is fucking disco. We don't do disco. And I was like, yeah, Flash Gordon. Here we go. Flash. And they're like, dun, 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 dun. I was like, oh, you broke my heart. No, I want to see. I want Birdman to dive in the movie, in real life, in the movie. Like, I know it don't make sense, but they need to be there. <laughs> yeah, they, um, it wasn't. And it needs to be there because that was my personal introduction to Queen before okay. I even knew who Queen was. Um, so that they need to know that and make sure it's in there in this movie that's already been made. 
I'll write them a letter for you. My okay, my I don't want to spoil this for you, Tony, or anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But my favorite moment in that whole movie is there's a callback to Wayne's World. I know, I know, and it's, I lost my shit. It's so graceful and, I, and, I, and hilarious. I slapped his hands so <laughs> hard, like there's a fucking Wayne's World. And she's like, "Yeah, I know. Calm down." Uh, it was, which it is was, even funnier because he's saying it. Mike Myers is the one just, fucking yeah, saying Mike it. Mike Myers is the one saying it because he's in, yeah. It was great. And for anybody who doesn't know, the reason that matters is because Wayne's World made Bohemian Rhapsody huge. Mm-hmm. That scene, that iconic scene where they're in the car singing the whole song, made that song chart again and made it top. It, it did amazing things. And so it was such a, such a beautiful touch in a film that is set entirely before that even becomes a possibility. That film, it gets kind of indirectly references but it need it, you know, to your point it, it need i think it deserved to be acknowledged yes. because it really was a big part i mean they stood on their own before that but it really was a big part of this mini resurgence yeah i i will definitely i have some days off coming up soon um i will be getting yeah. that in yeah and then uh, my real quick, uh, since this really took up a lot of time, um, you have something else after I, all I, that. I, hey, man, I don't watch or I don't watch a lot. So the fact that I watched more than one thing uh, was incredible. I watched uh, that documentary "Abduction in Plain Sight" on oh, good. on on Netflix, and I'm just gonna say, uh, "Worst Parents of the World" um, award was was awarded to everybody part of that documentary. Let me say, I joke a lot when I come on the show about uh, race relations. Um, uh, again, I am mixed. I just think it's hilarious. I think joking about race is hilarious because it's so it's so uh, cliche and like sensitive that I think it's funny and it's it's stupid. I preface all that to say, of all the jokes I've ever made on the show, this is this this is serious. That's just white people stuff. That is there is no other explanation. That's white people shit. WPS. Fair. I'm sorry. I just, it, I, I haven't seen it yet, but from what I understand. Oh boy. It's uh, worth don't, watching. Don't, it, no, you're just going to, it's, it's an hour and a half of just, why? Why? Especially as parents, I can only oh imagine. Were you watching uh, a hockey game? Cause that's your hockey voice. I, well, they shut. I was that angry. <laughs> yeah, I that's how you. angry I was. Like, it is no joke. Like, what the fuck yeah like just i i can't even get into it because it's just on so many different blackmail levels like you can't just- you can't get into it because if you if you mention one part out of context what huh well let me explain da, 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 da. and then at that point it's just a 90 minute explanation yeah and but I, just- do, I do recommend people watching it do know it's as you know as someone said it, it's a trigger warning it's sensitive material let me tell this story because i watched it as well Someone said, you got to check out this Netflix documentary. I said, yeah, I've heard it's hilarious. They said, oh, my God, it is. I said, all right, well, I'm in. What's it about? And they said, with a straight face, well, this little girl gets raped. And I was like, what the fuck? What? How is but it? Gets, but it gets hilarious. And I was like, are not, you kidding me right now? But let hilarious. me tell you, let me tell you, they weren't wrong. No. And I know you're like, what the – what the fuck? So he was talking to Louis C.K. and he was testing out <laughs> new material on Tony P. Henderson. No, hey. I swear, I swear to I, guys, this was a real with a close friend of mine, a friend that was not uncomfortable. But, 
Um, but this was a real conversation. I was like, are you kidding me right now? They said, no, but just, you got to watch it. And unfortunately that really, that's, that's the reality of the, of the documentary. Um, but it takes such a hard left that you forget that was even an element. Um, I have never been that confused since, sorry to bother you. Mm. Um, and the turn that movie made this documentary is like a wacky waving inflatable arm waving tube man you you don't know what turns you're gonna get sorry to bother you was fictional and it had like one or two wtfs this 90 minutes 10 minutes in you're like wait what really what the huh and and as i told another friend as we were watching it i said there's more i already i knew all the beats i just didn't know how they connected so i said oh wait there's more oh wait there's more an hour in of wackiness i was like no no there's more and there was more there is just continuous wackiness through the course of uh 90 minutes i will say you learn from the jump the victim who at no point do i make fun of because she really was the victim in this whole thing. She is alive. She's part of the documentary. She's okay-ish. Um, right. And she, of all the jokes and memes, she is not one of them. She was totally a victim. Everyone else in this world is laughable. Mm. You got to watch it. Well, you gotta I'm going to it. I'm have to check that out. Uh, and, you know, please know Live that stream we, that. Because I'm telling you. If, I can't. No terms of service, copyright, all that stuff. Uh, if that's something that you think you'd be interested in, check it out. Absolutely. Uh, Tony, you got anything else you've been watching or playing lately? You wanna- yeah, yeah. I did watch, as I mentioned, Abducted Plain Side. I've been playing uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, I gave an early review on another. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I gave an early review on another podcast where I rated it at like a literally a 7 out of 10, where it was. Um, okay not great but i've been enjoying it um i've 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 picked that up to about a seven and a half um i'm enjoying it it's fun but it's by no means great it's by no means as good as maybe the first two definitely not the first one that's i mean okay so i'm not the target audience i'm not a fan but that has been generally the feedback i've gotten from most people who weren't just like i don't care anything like it's kingdom hearts i love it you know like i don't care i just i'm happy to have the game everybody else is basically like what you just said like it's good not great i am enjoying it but there are definitely some some pitfalls um that's you know that's fine not every i mean it only took them 10 years to make it so you would think like you know good like great but yeah there's a lot of little things that i could nitpick that add up to be like really what um, but again, enjoying it, looking forward to when I can turn it on next and should be done with it soon. Also looking forward to finishing it. Um, and then I've been watching, uh, uh, pen 15, AKA penis on Hulu. Uh, hilarious. I've been, been rolling with that one. That is pretty funny. Yep. I would, I would also recommend checking that out. Cool, man. And of course the mass singer, which I'm missing to do this damn podcast. Oh, well. Sorry. Shame on you. Watch reality TV. Shame on you. But Survivor. Who is the peacock? Oh man. I mean, we can. We should start our own mass singer podcast. But we'll get into that later. Uh, For for myself, I have been. um, I've been streaming 
So I've been playing stuff on stream uh, as far as game wise. I have not been watching a ton of stuff. I did see Alita Battle Angel. Uh, my my short rundown is it could have been called Mary Sue Battle Angel. Um, my two biggest gripes with the film were that she is Alita is absolutely a classic Mary Sue. She is literally infallible. There is no depth to the character at all. There's no nothing. It is it is completely like this person is perfect and is more powerful than everybody else kicks everybody's ass. And the only time when she's not, she still wins and it doesn't matter. Like it, it just, she, she loses into more victory, but isn't uh, she the battle angel? Like, well, that's, that's the issue is it, it's like, like if, if you're looking for nuanced storytelling and character work here that you are not getting that. That's this, almost like, man, the Punisher's OP. This crap. Well, the Punisher is like not powerful in the context of the universe, though. He's just he's powerful in the context of human beings, but he's not powerful in a universe with superheroes. Yeah, but this he's is, also not the Battle Angel. Like I would or, imagine the Battle Angel to be the most badass thing in the universe. Alita is literally the Superman of this universe. Like she is that level of powerful. I'm and, good with that. I just want to see her wreck shit with a robot. And she does. And the animation, <laughs> every, the, the animation, everything is absolutely stunning. Uh, they fix the eyes. The eyes are not as bad as those early trailers were. So it's out of the uncanny valley for me, at least. Um, the story is super linear, though. There's really no twist or turns. It's like every beat is completely predictable to me. Uh, I did. I was surprised by nothing. That being said, still good, still fun, still looks great. Um, I just wanted a little bit more Robert Rodriguez charm. Uh, other than that, though, um, other than some of the games I've been playing on stream, I Kurt had told me to watch this forever ago, but another friend was like, you absolutely, or my sister actually of all people was like, you absolutely must turn on Hulu right now and turn on Letterkenny, which is a Canadian comedy that is about Hicks in Ontario. <laughs> and dude, Tony, I'm, go, I'm go watch the, adding it to the list right go, now. Go watch the first episode because the way I describe it is Trailer Park Boys meets the league. It's got the punchy dialogue, like the comedy bits, the 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 interplay in the comedian, you know, the the comedic lines of like the league where they're just like they're just building and building and building, and it's like this fast paced back and forth. But it's got the utter stupidity and Canadianness of Trailer Park Boys. And it the, the first season was pretty solid. I haven't watched much past that. I laughed a lot. It's I actually watched the first episode again and still laughed a bunch because I was showing it to my roommate. Uh, it's pretty funny. Maybe not for everybody, but if you like, you know, clever but dumb humor, definitely check it out. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it for me. And let's let's wrap it up. This show has gone a bit long, which is interesting because Charles wasn't here. I guess Charles is really the one that kind of keeps us on track, huh? What's actually funny is uh, uh, peeking behind the curtain, uh, we were like, eh, we don't have a lot of topics this week. Uh, I don't know. We'll kind of second half. I guess we'll make it work. Um, but honestly, man, it's just, um, you know, it's fun to get together and chat. Yeah. So, man. Sometimes we ramble a bit, but it's because we're uh, enjoying it. Nobody who listens to Breaking the Panel listens for promptness. Oh, I thought you were I thought, you, I thought that sentence was going to be shorter. Nobody listens to breaking the panel. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tony, let everybody who, the, the two people who listen to this show know where they can find you on the internet. Hey, you two. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find uh, the Geek Versus Podcast. <laughs> <Couture say. laughs> 
Sorry. It's <laughs> Mike and John. Two, <laughs> <laughs> Too real. Oh, fuck. John, Mike, thank you guys. Uh, wherever you listen to Breaking the Panel, uh, your favorite podcast app, you can find Geek Versus Podcast. It's G-E-E-K-V-S. We're also on the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Patreons, uh, and apparently soon Twitch. Mm. Awesome. Philip? Yeah. Ah, imaginary nomad everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that Twitch thing. So Monday nights, me and my wife, Suzanne, are playing co-op games over at Imaginary Nomad. And then uh, normally Tuesdays are my solo streams where I um, try to pick up a new game every so often, if not start a game and finish it over the, you know, the time of the stream. I bought a new game today because Paul Klotz told me to. So I'll start playing that uh, this Tuesday. It should be a lot of fun. Hmm. And I'm still waiting for Celeste, goddammit. Where's my copy of Celeste, goddammit? It's not supposed to come out until next month. I want it now, goddammit! I very, very, very very much want my copy as well. Yeah, calm down, Veruca. Um, Are you going to tell us what the game is, or do we have to tune in? Oh, I guess you'll just have to tune in. Uh, Newman! There was, like, no chance that he was going to tell everybody. No, zero. Zero chance. No. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at SoapboxGSTU. Please drop in, catch my stream. I would love to hang out with you. Uh, my, I just set three days a week as my permanent schedule for the time being. I will probably jump on a little bit on some of the other days, but you can catch me Monday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at 6, Wednesday at 4, and then, of course, Sunday nights at 8 p.m. over at GSTU Media for the, I guess we're calling it now, the giant size stream apocalypse. Uh, uh, that's not the name I approved, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I have, you can go to my Twitch page and you can see my schedule. I really appreciate it if you come and hang out, drop in, shoot the shit with me. Uh, and uh, big shout out to our resident mod, Nicole, uh, Nicole0991. She is trying to hit affiliate. She could use some follows. So please go over there, hit her up. Uh, she mods like every single one of our shows, like every single one of our streams right now and pays us to do it which is really confusing, but uh, she could really use your support. And yeah, Charles McFall, obviously you can find him <laughs> wherever the fuck you went tonight. Uh, Who cares? He's not on the show. Screw him. Uh, the rock out of podcasting on Facebook and who gives a shit every place else. Uh, <laughs> com. I'm, I'm going to get an angry message after he listens to this. Listen to this. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, you can support the show over at patreon.com slash breaking the panel. Jump in there. Join the crew. Get access to the the unedited raw feed that goes up on YouTube. Delicious, tasty treats. And we'll see you next week. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.